We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. The following, the following. Is a journey into comics. Journey into comics. A journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Network. 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 Production. Production. Going forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's JIC 254. I am your host, Nate, today. Joining me, as always, my main man. Welcome back once again. You guys know him and love him. He's also a co-host of Podcastrophy every Thursday on the Journey Into Comics Network. Welcome back, Tyler. I'm the living embodiment of Wreck-It Ralph without the giant hands. Yeah, you are. You are. I, I, I think that'd be a great cosplay for you. I just want to say it again. Like I think I've said it like three times already. We've we've cold opened with something to this effect. But I think I think I, for, for real, man, you I, could you're gonna wreck it. I think for Halloween this year, that's what we are gonna do. Skylar's gonna be fix it Felix and then Ruby's gonna be vanilla von Schweetz. And then I That's fucking incredible. I've just gotta get some crazy hair and some fucking brown bibs and a plaid shirt man I, i've got it home run easy you know normally normally i would say like and just because you're go ahead no i was just gonna say just because you're a bad guy does not mean you're a bad Dude, guy I, i've said it before but like that whole fucking monologue when he's rocketing towards the mentos volcano like it gets me every time oh man it's but, so good but like it's so good normally Anyways, folks Welcome. Go ahead. <laughs> we are st- we are struggling today. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're just riffing, and that's fine. I just wasn't sure where we were. I, I wasn't sure where we were transitioning. No, normally, around, so just trying to stay. Normally, light on my when feet. you introduce me, I would say like, "Hey, Nate, how are you doing?" And like the whole time you were starting that intro, the only thing I could think of in my mind was, "Man, I really am like Wreck It Ralph without the big fist." <laughs> <laughs> to respond to you, I am well. Thank you for asking, <laughs> I guess. You didn't really ask. Well, but see, sure. You, you kind of did. Thing, like I really wanted to, but like I just I had that idea like so ingrained into my mind right at that moment that I couldn't say I couldn't allow myself to say anything other than what I did. So you were fixated, yeah. man. You were just there in the moment. You were feeling it. 
And sometimes, and you know this in the podcasting world, you get queued up to say something and you're just like, I'm going to say it. I don't give a mm-hmm. fuck. Like, I don't care if somebody says something that's completely off topic. I'm going <laughs> back to totally what I irrelevant, say. man. Like, fuck you. Yep. I'm going. We're going there right now, you know. So, how's it going with you, man? What's up? How, what's good in your world? Uh, it's been a busy weekend full of work and, and movies. I mean, I watched. You know, I, I told you a little bit pre-show. Skylar and I watched Us yesterday, which was incredible. Um, we watched Pet Cemetery this afternoon, which was awful. And that's the the new Pet Cemetery, not the original. And then this morning, we also took Ruby to see The Lion King, which I was pretty, pretty just disappointed overall. Uh, I even cautioned to ask... How bad was it? Well, see, here's Ugh. here's the thing. Like, this is not in the same. It's not in the same vein as, you know, my my distaste of Toy Story four. You know, um, the the live action adaptation, if you can call it that, of The Lion King. I mean, it's animated yeah. CGI, but I, yeah. I vibe you. It's it's one for one almost identical with the original movie you know obviously it's it's animated it's you know cgi now instead of of cartoons and storyboards and 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 bullshit um do their mouths move or is it like a telepathic the mouths thing move. uh just not like like not like they did when they were cartoons it's 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 kind of weird like that's one of the things i struggle with at the beginning of the movie because it just looked like it looked like animals doing what they would normally do, you know, like Mister mm-hmm. Ed, kind of, yeah, <laughs> just just slightly better, not a whole lot, but just slightly. Um, you know, it, it's basically it's basically the original movie, and, and I think that's what a lot of people are complaining about online anyway. Is that it's so so much a copy of the original movie that it just it didn't hit them the same way that the original one did. You know, um, my aunt took, or my aunt accompanied us today. She took me to see The Lion King when it came out originally. So, you know, it was a very rewarding experience for her to sit in the theater with me or or my daughter and I, all three of us together. You know, it's, it's kind of a generational thing. And I just... I wasn't it's a full impressed. Circle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that whole fucking circle of life. It's almost like it's relevant to the movie. Um, it just it didn't. Well it just didn't do it. You know, I mean, the, the, like Beyonce's role as Nala was so hyped going into the film. She has like ten lines of dialogue. You know, oh, what? Why would weak. why would you cast somebody like Beyonce as? as a supporting character and then, you know, hype up a performance. It's the whole movie, like Favreau did a fantastic job. It was incredible. The cinematography and the, of course he would. John Favreau is amazing. And the CGI all was, was flawless. Um, you know, I didn't really care for Seth Rogen as, as, uh, Pumbaa at first, but towards the end it was pretty comical. Um, I can't remember the guy who they cast as Timon, but that was not good. Uh, it okay. Timon was Billy Billy Crystal uh, in the original movie. The, uh, Billy Eichner, the guy from Billy on the Streets. Mm. Have you ever seen yeah. that show on True TV? He just goes up to people and asks random stupid fucking questions yeah. and runs off or shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it wasn't awful by any means. It just, you know, I, I think nostalgia kind of takes precedent over, like, over what the modern Lion King is. You know, I, I think if you ask anybody in our age group, if we're going to sit down and watch The Lion King, which one are we going to watch? We're going to watch the original, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's more personal. It's what we Absolutely. grew up with. This new thing, and I mean, maybe this new thing is for a new generation, and in some ways, you know, you got to appreciate it. I know there was a a director, oh God, I can't think of his fucking name. You could probably Google the shit, because it's the guy who directed the 1997 or 96 remake of Psycho. Mm. Okay? Okay, so he was under a lot of flack as well because he did shot-for-shot Psycho because his thinking was, and this is where he was coming from, so I'm kind of understanding Jon Favreau's uh, vision here a little bit differently and, and kind of expanding upon it, but like this guy who directed Psycho... He essentially... Oh, it's the guy that directed okay. Goodwill Hunting. Can't think of his fucking name, but he, the guy that directed Goodwill Hunting, the next movie he did, they said, any movie you want to do, what is it? Mm-hmm. He does Psycho. He did it shot for shot the same, because in his opinion, he's like, Psycho's such a cool fucking movie, you know, but kids nowadays in the 90s aren't going to jive with a black right. and white film. They're not going to get it. It's not going to hit them the same, because it's not their world. So he thought, if I go exact and just recreate it, you know, there's something special to that. And I think, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Mm -hmm. Street did that, not to the same success, but there was like the 2010 remake with Katie Cassidy and uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Mm -hmm. the guy that played Rorschach. Uh, But, you know, I kind of get where Favreau's coming from because, like, how do you fuck with The Lion King and not tell the exact same story? And not piss a lot of people off. Like, you, I think it's a damned if you do, almost damned if you don't mm-hmm. situation. If you don't make the exact same movie, you're going to have people. Because I'm sure there are people like, fuck yeah, he just did the same movie. And it was awesome to see it like real mm-hmm. life, you know. I'm sure there are people like that out there. But there are also people that are like, what the fuck? I spent my money on this? If I want to feel Lion King, I'm going to fucking go home and watch it on my right. Blu-ray. Which I have on fucking Blu-ray, yeah. motherfuckers. Um, I mean, James Earl Jones as Mufasa, a lot of his lines changed or were slightly modified, and th- and that's totally okay, you know. Um, he he was flawless, like like J E J always is. Um, butter, mm-hmm. he's solid butter. But uh, it 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 was satisfying, just not. It's like. It's kind of like biting into a Big Mac, and then you get like all the way to, all the way to the end, like the last bite, and you're like, "Hey, there was no Big Mac sauce on this on this fucking sandwich." So is it really oh, a Big Mac? You know what I'd I mean? Be so sad. Yeah. No, no, it's not so, really a Big Mac. I I was really, you know, not that this is relevant to comics in any way, but I I think we talk about how movies are shot and how movies perform enough on the show that, that it is totally relevant. Um, especially that Favreau's involved with it, you know, um, watching movies like the last two adaptations of the jungle book, you know, you have the first one that, that Favreau did. And I, I can't remember, um, I can't remember really anybody else involved other than the actors. Um, 
But, you know, I, I thought Favreau really hit it home with the Jungle Book, and then Andy Serkis follows that and does his version or his rendition of the Jungle Book, and I thought both of those were flawless. You know, what more... Mowgli, right? Mm-hmm. That was his version was Mowgli? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, that was kind of the same the same scenario. You know, you're like... Um, Mowgli was, was a little bit different than the traditional Jungle Book story, but, you know, Favreau's version was almost one-for-one one identical as well. Um, and I, I don't remember any fan outcry from that. I think Lion King is just so important to our generation, you know. For, for the majority of us, that's the first big... Um, like the first big motion picture that that we saw in theaters, let alone the first big Disney movie, you know, besides like Toy Story or A Bug's Life. Um, I definitely saw Aladdin in theaters, 1992. Yeah. I remember that. I did not. Lion King. But I'm a little bit older mm-hmm. than you, so obviously. So, I don't, I don't know. I Like, part of the reason I wanted to bring this up, and I, I apologize for being long-winded as I normally am, but early last week... No, we love it long-winded here. <laughs> early, you, you love it long time. But uh, early... We love you long time. Early last week, I saw an article that was the, um, the user and the uh, critic scores of The Lion King on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is a big point of controversy on this show... And the yep. the critic score at that time I think was like ninety three or ninety four percent certified fresh. The <laughs> the fan reviews were like thirty four percent rotten. I mean, fans just shit all Whoa. over it, you know, because it was the same movie. Wow, that bad, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, and listen, John Favreau is phenomenal. Uh, director he's a great actor you know he's got his hands in kind of everything you know it's really interesting when you brought this up you bring me to a really interesting point that's going to blow your fucking load i don't even know if you know this and it's huge comic book news you've you've heard the first name officially attached to venom too uh refresh me because as because so- as soon huh. as you said well, that my brain fucking blanked well check it out the first person that has been asked as a possible director for Venom 2 is Andy Serkis. Yes, okay, I remember seeing that now, yep. Big big fan. So, what do you think B- of this big, news? Totally super stoked. Please let Andy Serkis direct Venom. Not that that I really had any qualms with the, with the first film. Um, I just I just really dig Andy Serkis in general. You know whether it's whether it's his perspective as a performer, or you know it it like for me right now my kind of my three favorite guys in Hollywood are John Favreau, Jordan Peele, and uh, Andy Serkis because they've been wow, they've topical. spent a, they've spent enough time behind the camera and in front of it to know. What is going to the be? What is going to be the best of of kind of every facet of filmmaking? And they all they all do their own unique thing. And you know, I, I've said it for a while on this show. 
in regards to Favreau, if you're anyone involved in Marvel, Disney, or Star Wars, or all three together, the one man that you want involved all the time <clears throat> is either John Favreau or Taika Waititi, I feel like. So, Easy. if you're going to bring another heavy hitter in with Andy Serkis, you know, and obviously this is Sony um, with Venom, but, I mean, that that's a huge power play, and, and if if he is... You know, if the rumors are true, that's that's big. You know, you, you get you get somebody like Andy Serkis that's so visceral in kind of the 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 his style or his direction, and you you bring Carnage into the mix, man, that's going to be fucking incredible. Well, and I mean, those two things combined with a very important third thing. It, I mean, with the other news that g- goes super in tandem with this conversation. Spider-Man Far From Home, bro, broke a mm-hmm. billion dollars. You know, blowing people's minds. Everybody's out to see it. You know, it, it kind of rides the wave of success that is Endgame. And with all these other announcements coming, people are just hyped as fuck to see it, you know. But, like, Andy Circus attached to Venom. Andy Circus is already good with Disney. He's already Ulysses Claw. You know, he's already done tons mm-hmm. of shit for them. Let's go. You know, he's going to help them. Amy Pascal's going to listen now and go, oh, yeah, we need to take your direction because we can make Venom a billion-dollar movie. Absolutely. We can make Venom 2 a billion-dollar movie. And now, you know, here's one thing. There's no question in my mind at this point, Tyler. There will never be a time Marvel does not have control of Spider-Man now. Even though Sony is part of this deal and it's like kind of this weird special tandem where their their little kid brother gets to be a part of the Mm -hmm. deal or some shit, but like... With Marvel knocking it out of the fucking park with Far From Home and it making that kind of money, it just literally said, like, we did it better than you ever mm-hmm. could. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Very uh, agree. That- Very well said. Um, the, the tough thing about it is, though, you know, Sony, I, th- I feel like between that, I, I really like the way that you put that big brother, little brother kind of dynamic... I feel like Sony has the better end of the deal because well, of because they Sony do. they didn't come right, up with the Sony, character. Sony is letting Marvel make them money. You know, they don't have to put forth any of the work. Yeah, that's a fucking easy mm-hmm. gig. And I, I feel like I feel I like that's, that's I feel like that's ahead. why Venom struggled for a lot of people is it didn't have Sony didn't have Marvel there to put in the work. And there's a lot of things that I think Marvel would have said no to in that movie. I don't think it would have been the same script at all. I don't really know how happy they are that Tom Hardy is Venom. But you know what? At this point, like I said, I mean, when I think about Venom, it doesn't leave... It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You and I had a discussion on 66, Podcast for 66 or whatever it was that I was on. Where, you know, we went back and forth about it and I, and I aired my grievances and I, you know, and I've said why I didn't like Venom. I don't need to sit here and rehash all that shit. But more importantly, I do like Tom Hardy. He is starting to turn me into this guy that I'm like, I'm kind of becoming a little bit more favorable towards him, you know? Not to say that I love everything he's done. But when I do look back on some of his movies, you know, I'm just like, okay, man, you put in the work. And then when I think about, and this I think what really changed my mind, the tandem of him and Tom Holland. Mm. Like, 
oh man, buddy, it's gonna be something special. Well, and you know? I, I'm a I'm a Tom Hardy fan. Um, you know, not a, a fan boy by any means, but but as far as Venom is concerned, one thing that I really appreciated from that first movie, going into it before I'd even seen it was. Tom Hardy was adamant that he was going to play Eddie Brock and do the voice of Venom. You know, to, to in your mind, you know, especially for us that, that grew up with the animated series, you know, or, or any, you know, um, any media, I guess, that, that is involved in Venom, we have Venom's voice in our head. And... Tom Hardy's was a little bit different and maybe not as organic as, you know, it normally would have been. But he put in the work and he, and he made it sound like Venom, you know? Or at least... A, yeah, it was just mm-hmm. his own twist. Or at twist. least a believable Venom. You know, it wasn't like... It wasn't like T-Pain auto-tune. Like, okay, he he... he put forth the same amount of effort playing Eddie Brock as he did doing the voice acting for Venom, and I appreciated that. It was a hell of a lot better than his Bane. (laughs) Let me just say that one time, Batman. I'm talking to you through a tin can. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. But, uh... (laughs) Oh, shit, man. But, uh... I was going to go somewhere. I was going to spend somewhere out of this, you know, but I just think Andy Serkis directing a movie featuring Carnage, Venom, Tom Holland's Spider-Man to kind of cross it over. I already kind of laid it out to you what I would do in the movie, Mm -hmm. you know. The symbiote essentially sees Parker as the superior. And, you know, we already know the symbiote can split, so some of the symbiote or a new symbiote or whatever, however they decide to do it, it'll be Carnage. Venom is going to leave Eddie and go on his own quest. So Carnage and Eddie Brock are kind of having beef. That beef will spill into New York where Eddie's trying to go to get a new job mm-hmm. at the Bugle, you know, or with with the with the Bugle and Jay Jonah, which maybe he's based in San Francisco. That'd be a clever way to just keep it in the universe and put pull it all together, you know? Because mm-hmm. now, you know, you, you kind of have well, a I rhyme think, and a reason. Uh, I, but I then, think, you know, you do the obvious, you know, do the obvious. I think... Um, you know, kind of the opposite of that. If you wanted to continue to make Venom a solo character, just, I mean, just do the lethal protector stuff, you know? Just continue continue for him to be an anti-hero and make solo movies like you have with Deadpool. Sprinkle in relevant characters as you can, you know? Um, at, at some point, and I, I totally agree with you, at some point you're going to have to include Spider-Man. Because Venom is a complex and, you know, uh, heavily written about character and a heavily featured character in in all of Marvel Comics. Um, I mean, he's got just about as many crossover events, or I guess I should say the symbiote has just about as many uh, crossover events as, as any other character in Marvel Comics. At some point, to continue for Venom to be relevant, um today you have to include spider-man he can't do his own thing forever so i would definitely lean more towards uh uh kind of your story that you've spun because it just makes sense 
you know, Venom's a character that you don't have to really get out of the box with. Just just have it make sense and then write a good story and everything will fall into place. Fans will eat it up. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. On a side note, I would really like to see more Claw going forward in the MCU because his character uh, in Age of Ultron and Black Panther was fucking fantastic. I think he's going to have something to do with Black Panther 2 as being a, a, a more deadly protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into my uh, predictions on Black Panther 2, because I do have a couple, um, I do really quickly want to say, talking about Venom, that you would actually go an even smarter route. You know, Eddie flees to New York. He knows he re- you know realizes the symbiote's there. He's getting the gig or whatever. Carnage shows up. He's having to fight Carnage. Spider-Man's there. Spider-Man's getting his ass kicked by Carnage. And Eddie's like, listen, kid, you have to give me the fucking symbiote. You have to give it up. Only I can do this, you know? He gives him the symbiote. You know, Venom comes and beats ass. So he has the anti-hero yet again, just kind of like how you want. He saves the day for a minute. And then he looks at Spider-Man and says, we've got business and I ain't finished with you yet. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of the movie. And you leave it on a cliffhanger so you don't get their full battle. It's just building to that mm-hmm. moment. You know, really make it impactful if you're going to do it that way. The only the only really obstacle, I think, you know, going forward in, in this Venom franchise, you know, Carnage is towards the top of the list. You've, you've got... You've got probably the heaviest hitter and and one of, you know, Carnage or not Carnage, one of Venom and Spider-Man's biggest adversaries in 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 Carnage because he's so ruthless and visceral and he just wants to fucking maim and kill everything, you know, and he's so powerful because he does have the symbiote. Um do, I mean, do you think it's wise to go straight for Carnage this early on or 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 do you think that they don't really need to build up? <clears throat> Well, you're not, listen, you're not building the Venomverse. I just want to keep it real. It's all it's all going to go to Spider-Verse. It's all going to Spider-Man and what his story is. Two movies, three movies max for Venom. Seriously, you're going to get a great story. And Eddie is not, doesn't have to die at the end of the movies. He doesn't have to not be a hero. He, does, he can be unresolved as fuck and then be a wild card. You need that for mm-hmm. Spider-Man. You need a moment where he's battling somebody you totally have forgot Venom exists. Bam! Venom punches him in the fucking mouth and says, "Hey, we got to talk. This is what's going on, you know." And it's a dose of reality to Parker like, "Oh shit. I have to keep dealing with you. Like it's not over. It's never over. This will never be over." Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing you need in a big Spider-Man villain and Venom is the right one to do it because he is an alien from outer space mm-hmm. and it helps you know one of the most beautiful things about that is is that tom hardy as venom as he ages it doesn't really matter they can have him play it for as long as he wants because he'll always go cgi into right. the character you know and and one thing too that i think would be really really interesting to see kind of play out is you know after the symbiote um begrudgingly goes back to eddie brock you know spidey can't sense him anymore with with his spidey sense you know the peter tingle so that builds a lot of drama and you know makes conflict going forward if you're going to include um venom as a nagging antagonist you know in any number of films 
Absolutely, man. And I and look, I mean, you and I are just sitting here riffing and we put together something that's good and believable and you know that Marvel will bring out something ten times better than this if their hand is involved in Venom 2 in any way, shape, or form. You know, that is all still remains to be seen if we will get that. But, um, you know, uh, moving forward, we look at the MCU, you know, I, I wanted to ask you this. Do you agree with me on this? And it'll never happen. But is Jordan Peterson or is sorry, sorry, is Jordan Peele the right guy to direct Blade? I I, I think so. I I do. He does the horror stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I think. So I mean, I, I think with with his his style of cinematography. And how passionate he is of the genre, um, Blade will be more a horror film than a superhero movie. It'll just be a horror film from the point of view of a superhero, and or an anti-hero, you know. Um, and and I think you know his ability to. You know, he's so passionate about the horror genre. His ability to meld uh, horror and comedy, but so subtly, and then still make it a superhero movie. You know, I I don't I don't see any reason why, um, you know, I would consider anyone else over Jordan Peele. You know, not not to say that there's not better directors out there because. You know, as Qui Gon Jinn says in Episode One, "There's always a bigger fish." Um, but, but I, I think, what do you have to lose by giving, you know, one of the, um, how how do I want to phrase it? One of the fastest growing directors as far as popularity goes in the industry. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, a hundred percent. One thing that's going to stop him though is himself, mm-hmm. because famously. Jordan Peele said, I'm not going to do a superhero movie. I'm not into yeah. that. It's not what I want to do. There's a thousand stories to be told and everything, and I've got other plans or whatever, and I only have so many movies I'm going to be able to make. However, you say that until when Blade got Mahershala Ali as their Blade, <laughs> like, he, he he's won the Oscar, man. He won the Oscar for Green Book, mm-hmm. right? Like, when that happens automatically you look to somebody like Jordan Peele who has this humongous uh, ability and uh, amazing talent to frighten people in most bizarre ways. Having him tackle something that's vampire and supposed to be based in reality, he is the perfect fucking person to do it. He made it believable that old rich white people were stealing young black folks' bodies. To live forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, that's, that's some real horror shit. Zombies is not going to be that hard for him. You know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, other, other than Jordan Peele, I mean, are, are there any other rumors on, on who's going to direct Blade? I mean, cause it's still a little bit far out, obviously. I mean, I don't. There hasn't even been. 
I mean, even to say Jordan Peele's name is in the hat at all is, I think, a little presumptuous. Well, I thought it was funny. I thought Would it was funny love- that you said that because just a couple of days ago, I read an article that was basically, you know, Jordan Peele should direct this movie because he said he wasn't going to direct this movie. And, you know, um, I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't even need to reference the article. Man, that's crazy. No, I just think, listen, he's... You're gonna... You're gonna... Listen. I mean, maybe there are other names that could be put into Blade. You know, maybe it would be super odd or something if it was Wesley Snipes to direct it. I don't know that he's ever directed a movie, but, like, you have to bring someone with their A-game, and honestly... Best in the biz right now. If you're Marvel and Disney, you're throwing all your money at Jordan Peele. Call him up and say, we will give you $1 billion, you know, and just throw the money at him. He'll take it. There's no way you're turning that down. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tyler, would you like to direct this movie for $1 billion? <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course. Because you're not going to question it and you're going to be like, oh, my God, I get to do something that maybe I secretly wanted to do. Felt too much pressure to say that I wanted to mm-hmm. do. And I'm now in a situation where I have an Oscar-winning actor at my fucking fingertips to play in this sandbox of one of the coolest fucking anti-hero fucking badasses to ever been birthed right. from Marvel. One of, the most, one of the most so, adult characters for sure. Yes, man, and 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 we talked about it before. I love the original Blade trilogy. They're they're near, very near and dear to my heart. I'm excited for the future, though. I can't wait to see. And I've said it time and time again. Everything Marvel throws at us, I'm just like, yes, please, yes. Did you okay. see? Did we you see the statement from Wesley Snipes the other day? Thank you for. Do you have that I up? Don't I don't have, have it up. But basically, it was. Oh shit! Wesley Snipes telling fans to chill the fuck out and be really happy that the only other person in the industry that he would want to play Blade is gonna play Blade. So um, he's from from his words. You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But he's got a lot of faith in. I'm pulling it up right now. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. I'll just let Nate uh, read it off because I'm not Wesley Snipes. Uh, yeah. Of course, it's a fucking video. I don't understand this. Why can't articles just be articles mm-hmm. where I can read? It's 2019, man. Give me the option, bro. I'm not in the mood for your shit. Get out of here. I don't want to do that. I thought I had it pulled up. Now I feel like the asshole. See how that works, folks. The tides have turned on me. My name is Mahershala Lolly. That rhymed. It was a good one. <laughs> Just lay it down, um, Nate. Uh, also, I sent you something. Fuck. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Please tell me this is just an article. It's an article. It says article. It doesn't say video this time, folks. We found the article. Fucking A. So, Snipes' thoughts on Ollie's casting is this. To all the daywalkers losing their minds right now, chillax. Although the news comes as a surprise, it's all good. Such is the business of entertainment. Much peace to the MCU crew. Always a fan. So, nah fret, nah worry. 
It's not the end of the story. And then he says, you know, congratulations to Mahershala Ali for getting the role, and hopefully they'll work together someday. Welcome to the Daywalker click. Um, no, I, I, I think, you know, fans seeing, you know, it's kind of like um, uh, Hugh Jackman as, as Wolverine, you know, whoever they cast going forward as Wolverine, if Hugh Jackman reaches out to the community and that individual and says, hey man, you, you've got my thumb, thumbs up, you know, that's that's going to put a lot of people at ease. And, um, you know, seeing... Seeing no animosity uh, from Wesley Snipes is is a big deal, so I'm excited. Absolutely, of course. You know, my first thought is you're going to get a Wesley Snipes cameo, like somehow, some way they're going to bring him into that mm-hmm. movie. It only makes sense. Uh, it's funny though that you mentioned oh, what did you just say? You nailed it. Oh, who the next Wolverine might be. Because I just read a report on on uh, fan castings that made sense. I thought about it and I was like, "Oh my god, that's a perfect casting." Do you know about this one? Is it uh, Egerton? Taron Egert, yeah. Or how did you say his name? I don't know his name. I'm not good at. Names. I thought it was Egerton. I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, Taron Egert or Egerton, I think I can't again. Uh, awful with the name, but uh, here's the deal: he, you know, uh, it was fan cast as Wolverine, and you think about it, he's the guy from the Golden Circle or uh, the Kingsman movies, as it were. But uh, his ability to act in those movies, there was another film I saw him in. He was very good, and he did. I think he just did Elton John Rocket Man. If if my brain is I feel like that is the same guy. Yeah, it is definitely the same guy. So, like, he has acting chops. There's no questions there. And everyone said Rocketman was phenomenal and that it's one of those definitely worth a watch type deals. But I think about it, and I just think that he's young enough and he could get he could get dark and into that role, you know. Maybe Daniel Radcliffe is another name that comes to mind possibly for the role of Wolverine, but uh, ultimately, yeah, the guy from Kingsman, Taron Eggert, is going to, if he were to be cast, actually, as Wolverine, I think will will be all very happy as fans. I know maybe some people will be like, oh, that's dumb. He's in the Kingsman. We don't need him in this movie, too. Like, that's a comic movie already, you know, but for me, I think it's a smart choice. I think for me at this point, you know, almost because you're not going to replace Hugh Jackman. I mean, we've we've said it dozens of times on this show. You're just not. You're not going to be able to get that that perfect replica of 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 Hugh Jackman giving or delivering the perfect performance as Wolverine in any of the iterations that he played him. Um, whether it's you know. Young Logan or old Logan, it doesn't matter, you know. I mean, he he is the best that we've ever had and the best that we ever will have. Um, but I think, you know, you, you don't have any incentive to not try someone else if Jackman's not going to come back to the role. I just don't think Jackman is... He's not getting mm-hmm. any younger, bro. 
and and you know he's done this role for twenty fucking years. He he can't you can't build a franchise that's going to supposedly carry our MCU's future into phases six and seven and eight and whatever you know into the long term shit if if you can't keep your guy alive, right. man. So you got to find somebody young. You got to find somebody, and you got and listen. Honestly, here's my opinion. I've said it once. I'll say it fucking million times. I don't give a shit if I'm pissing people off. The first X-Men movie that Marvel does should not feature a Wolverine. It should feature the original team with Professor Charles Xavier. And towards the end of the movie or in the end credit scene or somewhere like that, they should stumble upon Weapon X. And that should be the basis for the second movie that'll be wrapped a lot sooner. It's not going to take the whole movie to get through and then you can introduce other things in your second film. But, you know, I think that you do not give the Wolverine card away in the first movie. Go a little bit old school. Make the fans enjoy. Kind of a blast from the past. The original team, Iceman, Beast, you know, Marvel Girl, Cyclops, The Professor. You know, keep it breezy. Mm. And then... Then you can introduce and find new mutants and have deeper, more impactful stories and create new worlds for, for the mutants to go, you know. And speaking on that, I think that we might be gearing up for the mutants a lot sooner than people anticipate. And I think we're going to find out what the fate of the mutants holds in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I think we're going to... Either at the end or something, I think we're going to get the start of House of M. Mm. And it'll be revealed like it's going to get spilled over and they're going to do that, you know, type thing. Because Wanda's going to have the powers now. She's going to know how to hone them. And she's going to have been spending time with the Sorcerer Supreme and have lost vision. And and to speak on that, like, apparently WandaVision's going to be set in the 50s. What? Yeah. WandaVision set in the 1950s, okay. apparently. So what I envision happening is this. It's probably going to be something like Wanda is freaking out and she creates the 1950s world that her and Vision live in, her mm. perfect life. While she's tripped out of her mind and involved in that, which is going to be a small-scale start to House of M because if she really wanted it to be her way, she'd bring her brother back. There'd be all these other changes. Again, Aaron Taylor Johnson expect him back at some point as, as, uh, as Quicksilver if she does House of M. Uh, but, you know, she's going to create this world, and then while she's creating this world, things are going to fall apart on the regular timelines, the real world, you know. And uh, Monica Rambeau, who we know is the, is the you know, the future version, the older version of Spectrum, is going to be involved in some way. You're not going to have her in the 50s unless you send her into the dream or into the sequence. Maybe she is a vision that doesn't really exist until Wanda makes her exist, mm -hmm. possibly. Oh, do you have an intruder? Nope, just looking at something across the room. Okay, sure. Big old spider. Oh, God. It's a dildo <laughs> with legs. It's Blaine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! Shots fired. Whoa. I can't um, a dildo with legs. God, that should almost be the episode title, but it's a little bit <laughs> abrasive for comic books. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like oh, I'm having my morning coffee on Monday. I don't need the episode title to be dildos, even though they're talking about 
dildos apparently. I don't know why we're on dildos all of a sudden, but anyways, you brought up Blaine, so let's tangent just for a minute because you know we're we are it's Monday on Journey into Comics Network. I hope you guys are enjoying your Monday here on the network. Uh, just got through a great week. Had a fixed thing happen with Dungeons with Dudes or whatever. But the thing I really want to get into is what's happening this Thursday on the network. It's very important that you guys are tuned in on Tuesday. You can see the live stream on Podcastrophe's Facebook page. But you guys, the joke podcast that was some sort of teaser dropped way back in episode 52 of Journey into Comics is now hitting its 100th episode. And my main man Tyler here is, like I said earlier, a co-host of Podcastrophe. How does that feel, man? What's that like? Well, I didn't, you know, I came in pretty early um, in the first 20 episodes and, you know, the first the first 20 or 30 episodes that, that I did as a co-host with Blaine, you know, it was just, it, every week it just felt good, you know, we never ran out of stuff to talk about and, you know, towards the middle, you know, in, in the mid-50s, you know, You've talked about it previously that it's kind of a grind to get through, um, you know, that... It's the weirdest thing. It's the slowest mm-hmm. time in that, podcasting. That, it is the only time that it's middle that middle slump. And then, you know, over the last uh, year, I've had I've had a lot of time that I've had to be on hiatus with school and work, and and Blaine has trudged on and fought and kept going, and it, it's, it's very rewarding... Um, not only to have have made it a hundred episodes as of you know Tuesday, um, but it it's it's even more rewarding that you know if if Blaine and I look back on those those hundred episodes that we've done, the guests that we've had on, you know whether they were one time people or original, um, you know. Rollo the Destroyer being one of our favorite guests of all time. We we tragically, yeah, you know, we Rolo. tragically lost here um, in the last couple months, and it's just it just feels good that I've I've got to, you know, because of that show, I've become a part of this network, and now I'm a part of this show, um, and I've I've made great friends who I now consider family. And it's just, it's been fun. I'm not ready for the ride to stop. No, man. And, and there's, you know, no reason, obviously. It has to stop. Look at me. 254 episodes of this motherfucking show and the drank pepperonis all night long. You know, I'm going to just keep tr- tr- keep trudging along, man. And you know what? It's for the love of podcasting more than anything. I learned a long time ago. I don't ever do the podcast really for anybody else but me because it's a journal and a way to look back on my journeys and never forget, man. Like, my fucking grandma had Alzheimer's real bad. She don't remember the end of her life. She don't remember any of her life. You know, she slipped into dementia when it was all said and done. If that were to ever happen to me, I would fucking hate it. But do you know what's really fucking rewarding? I'll always be able to listen back to these and never forget the times I had because they're documented, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it, it's like live journaling in an outlet. And that, that's one thing I do find really beautiful about the medium. But, like... To see another show, yet again, here I am talking about this in some sort of fucking reflective-ass <laughs> shit. I don't mean to, but it's just like, when Journey into Comics did 100 episodes, our 100th episode was at a live fucking con, you know, and it was a 
big deal. And we met MC Lars there, and it was like a crazy fucking whole thing. You know, I met the voices of Rita Repulsa, Goldar, and Lord Zed, and interviewed them. It was amazing. I was too stupid to know to record that as well, and would have had an amazing podcast conversation. I was super green, and that's a learning, you know, building block or whatever. But to see other shows, you know, Game Addicts did it. They hit 100. Fucking super proud of those dudes, you know? Thick and thin, thick as thieves, like, seeing them hit 100 is amazing. Mm-hmm. But now, like, Dick has been a very long... Dick and Tyler both, and, and you know, the Podcastrophe team, as it were, um, have been a pillar of this network since the beginning, since the jump. They're the f- one of the flagship shows, literally. I mean, one of the shows that carried us through and through and through, and we've had all kinds of amazing times because of it, so... You know, and, 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 you know, technically fucking speaking, fuck you, Dick, because you're like at 102 episodes, motherfucker, because you recorded that extra f- uh, podcast with Walk Among Us that never aired, fucking Dick. And then <laughs> I'm going to keep riding his ass on that one because he, he's never going to release it. So I'm going to keep riding his ass on it till he finally gives in. And then the, uh, the, the, the Fun for Funs weird fucking political ass podcast we did. Um, at Fun for Funs, uh, there at the Northern Pub, neither of those have been released ever. Damn. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, now that I've shamed Dick live on the podcast for a minute, which is always fun, uh, you know, it's just super cool, man. I'm I'm really proud of you guys and the work you guys have put forth and had. Ama- I mean, there's so many hours of content. I really wish Dick would put together like a a highlight reel of some of the funniest and best moments, you know, but that would require more than 30% now. <laughs> him so. and I him and I have brainstormed in the last couple months, especially after we lost Rolo. Um, you know, Blaine put together a highlight reel of um Rolo the Destroyer and and that felt really good, you know, especially you know, a lot of those episodes that we had Richard on were, you know, a couple of them were over three hours long. You know, that's that's a lot of time that we spent hot and sweaty in a room, you know, just the three of us and some microphones. Um, it, it It's important, you know. And I think after we, you know, after we get episode 100 done, um, now that I'm technologically a little bit more capable... I think him, him and I are going to collab up a year, basically year one highlight reel and just let it go. Let it roll. F- fucking A. There's some beautiful moments in that first year that this show, or of that show, I guess we're doing Journey into Comics right now. <laughs> but um, I'm just, you know, reminiscing. I was a part of the first year, dude. I got to be on uh, The Fruits of War. Recorded that in my fucking living room, and it was, you know, the fourth podcastrophe ever, and, you know, Dick was very green doing it and hosting it, and I th- thought he did a phenomenal job, and I've always loved your energy, and that's, I think, one of the things that kind of drew me to think about you as a host as well, is, like, your chemistry with fucking everybody gels, man. Like... My secrets... You're like... My secrets, I just really like to talk, Nate. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you really like to talk. You. That I mean that's why you're a great podcaster, bro. That's why it works perfectly. You want to speak, and I want to capture the audio of you speaking as fucking weird and one sided as that sounds. 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not even entirely worried if people listen to me talk. I just like to talk, you know, and I don't, I don't want to talk to myself. So, if I've got other people like even pretending to listen, I'll just keep going. Oh, I totally listen to you, man. I listen to you all day. You're you're a great conversationalist, and I think you are very insightful. And I think that even though sometimes you do the unpopular thing to be argumentative, you also make very valid points on why you don't like certain things. And, and as long as you can back up where you're coming from, which you always have, you know, your credibility across the board is just through the roof in that regard. And that's why I respect you as a podcaster. But, you know, now that I'm done sucking your dick live on the podcast, that was, I especially did that. Can I say something? I especially did that. Cause I want, I want a couple of the people to know, like, like Mr. Dick Tyner that, you know, I love podcasting with Dick, too. I really do. It's a lot harder to get him, though. He's got a lot on his plate all the time. I can tell that, you know. And there's a couple other people I love. Like, I love podcasting with AP. He's been in fucking Africa, bro, for two weeks. We can't podcast in Africa. Not realistically, anyway. It would be very hard. His timeline and our timeline were so off. It was like seven or eight hours mm-hmm. difference. Hey, man, at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get up and we're going to podcast for you. That's going to be at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And we're going to hope that Skype doesn't totally fucking shit the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it barely works in the same state. Yeah. <laughs> two, know. Like barely two hours away from each other. And it will not fucking work 90% of the time. It's hysterical. It's crazy how good our podcasts are, though, I think. We gel very well together for it being completely through nonsense. Like, what you guys don't understand when I say nonsense is they'll not, because they're never going to hear this, man, honestly, because on their end, when they hear the finished product, it's going to sound like your end of the conversation, which is amazing. Mine of the conversation is amazing. Put together. But in reality, what I'm hearing right now is Tyler talk like a drunken sailor, and it's really hard to understand some of the things he's saying, but I'm kind of piecing the shit together like, okay, I kind of have it. And I'm probably talking like I'm way too high or some crazy shit like that to Tyler in his world, you know, or some sort of weird metaphor like that. I don't know how I am to him because I can't see what he's saying. But, you know, whatever that is, like, we have to kind of fake Mm -hmm. it a little bit and still make really brilliant conversation together and uh yeah it ain't easy it's hard out in these streets it is man you know let's uh let's finally transition there's something you know I'm, i've been kind of feeling a little bit nostalgic about podcasting and things i thought i would bring another thing out of the vault way back at episode 50 it's uh, you know over 200 episodes ago at this point we did everybody had their top 25 uh, favorite superheroes of all time list. And that could go Marvel, DC, Image Comics, run the whole gamut. I want to make sure that that's known to our listeners before we go on this list because as the way I see it, it's pretty one-sided. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a disclaimer out there from at least from my list's perspective. My list is very uh, Marvel-dominated, not because uh, DC or Image sucks, just because there are so many characters that I consider equal and I love equally that, you know, I would have to write down two answers for every one of these because I cannot put them in 
a top 25 I have I have too many characters that I love to make it it, a top it would just be it would just be too hard mm-hmm. well m- maybe we can further expand this and have you go 25 or 26 through 50 for you know next week or something if you if you're yeah. feeling froggy but we have Tyler's list we'll start at 25 we'll work our way to one uh, I'll list it off you can talk about why you like the character a little bit maybe dish on some things, go into some tangents based on these characters that you have picked here. Starting at 25, Silver Surfer. Awesome choice. Uh, I, I put the Silver Surfer at the end of the list or the end of the line just because you know he, he's kind of a character like Captain Marvel is right now in the MCU. He's so powerful and he has such an obscure role in in Marvel comics a lot of times that it's, it's hard to put at the top of the list, you know, for a lot of people, the awful fantastic four movie was, was their first exposure of the silver surfer. And that's, that's really, um, disappointing. Um, cause it is a very, I mean, Doug Jones oh, looked good. Absolutely. The, the character looked, but that was a mm-hmm. shit movie. Um, you know, it's just such a complex character between, you know, his involvement as, as or his role as the Herald of Galactus and, and, you know, everything with his family. And, you know, it's just, he's such a cool character, but he's also uber powerful because he is the Silver Surfer. So characters like that are, are, are hard for me to put at the top of a, at the top of a list because they have, you know, maybe not intentionally, but it's it, they have plot armor, you know. I feel you, absolutely. Uh, quite literally with Silver Surfer because he's made of complete mm-hmm. steel. I see what you did there, but don't... Uh, number 24, we were just talking about this guy earlier in the show, man. Uh, let's talk about that Daywalker again. He's, he's the original Marvel bad boy a- as far as, you know, our generation goes. I mean... What was your first exposure to Blade? If you uh, my me dad had a few Blade comics when I was a kid. That when he was out of the room, I would sneak into his comic room and and read when he wasn't around. Um, but you know, you you hit the nail on the head earlier when you referenced that original Blade trilogy. Um, you know, I remember I remember watching that first Blade movie. Like on a Saturday morning at like ten o'clock, I rented it from from Hollywood Video. You know, I walked in with my mom and she said, "Pick out whatever movie you want, just get it so we can go." And I got Blade because it was fucking. There was a guy with a fucking samurai looking sword and vampires. How could I not want to watch this? Absolutely. Uh, I really love the character of Blade. You know, we dove into that earlier. Uh, we were talking about this last week. Another character that we've been seeing frequently in the MCU is your number 23 pick, God of Thunder. Uh, Lord of Thunder. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, needs Thor, the axe. Thor, uh, Thor's a Thor. tough one for me because I like the MCU's version of, of Thor with Chris Hemsworth so much. I actually like MCU Thor more than I like comic book Thor. Uh, totally fine. That can totally influence your you list. Know, Absolutely. I think back to um, you know some of the early Thor comics that I've read, and they're so 
they're so dry and he's so you know he's he's like that knight in shining armor lawful good character you know it was just he's just dry early on you know you you get into you know you, you we talked about love and thunder later on uh last week and then you know you get into old man thor and then he becomes this very complex character and you know he's just he's t- like i said with silver surfer he's just tough to put at the at the top of the list um from a comic book perspective if we were just talking mcu characters he'd be in my top five all day Damn, that's also interesting to know. If we would, we should do that sometime too. List our favorite MCU characters. I mm-hmm. love that idea. Uh, let's move on now to number twenty-two. I do believe, unless I can't read, I think yep. that's twenty-two. Uh, we we learned this guy is going to now be the main protagonist in the Black Widow movie, which automatically makes you more interested to see it. I believe. Uh, the Taskmaster, man. How do you feel about that? And uh, what's your, where's your mm-hmm. love for this character come from? So the, <coughs> excuse me, Taskmaster is just such a unique character. He's so, everything that he does is cold and calculated and he has justified like days, or excuse me, hours days, weeks, months, years in advance, everything is set up in a way that, you know, he is his name. He's the fucking taskmaster. And then, you know, I had to throw him on the list. We've talked about it a little bit the last couple episodes. But, you know, just barely sprinkling him in in the um, Spider-Man video game here recently, you know, was just such a nice touch. And... Like, in that moment that he popped up and, and when I was fighting him, I was like, man, I I fucking really dig Taskmaster shit. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of gave, um, yeah, it kind of gave a little awesome. bit of a justification to go back and kind of revisit some of that stuff. And like you said, you know, he's going to be the main antagonist in the upcoming Black Widow movie, which totally gives me a reason to watch it now. So, chubby. Boing. Uh, I will say before we go too much further, let's address a little bit of an elephant in the room. For the audio listeners, you're gonna have no idea this happened, but something mm-hmm. really weird happened to you, Tyler, while we were doing this podcast. So and I think it's funny so, if we bring it up. Yeah, go ahead. So we were recording. So and and tell us what happened. No, you tell we, us. We go I'll, through I'll Thor, listen. and I kind of did a uh, like a yep. Mm-hmm, we're transitioning. Yep, let's let's go on to the next one. And Nate says, you know, he did the whole thing where Taskmasters in the next movie and blah blah blah. And and um, right when he went to say Taskmaster for the last time, all of my shit crashed at the same time. Skype crashed. Reaper sh- like <laughs> died, and in my headphones looping was Nate going master, 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 master. I unplug my headphones, plug the jack back in. It's still doing it. Master, master, master. So I had I had to fucking hard oh my God. kill everything to get it to stop, and and luckily we can edit this and make it sound pretty and not. 
I, I was really worried that it was still recording and somehow that your looping was getting picked up on the computer. So, l- uh, luckily, I listens back. That I, I don't awful. hear any of that. So, fingers crossed. But yeah, it was a little bit scary because it's, you know, it, it's almost 11 o'clock in my neck of the woods. It's dark in my house. Everything's quiet. And then just my ears are bombarded with master, master, master. It's a fucking Hellraiser shit. Beginning of a fucking shit. horror movie, bro. There he was. Tyler was recording a podcast, and the word master continually echoed into his earlobes, turning him into some sort of unknowing <laughs> beast. He transformed into some sort of crazy monster and found a way through the Matrix into the screen where he attacked Nate and ripped his fucking face off and then wore Nate's face as his face and told everyone that he, in fact... Was Nate? Whoa! And that's the horror movie. Wowzers! The end. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. You just wanted to wear my face, bro. So, sometimes that was, that you got to put other people's skin on, man. It's cool. I'm glad you didn't do that. <laughs> oh. Uh. You're not in. You're not into The Walking Dead enough to know a Whispers reference, but oh, that just gets me. I know on so about many the Whispers. Or maybe just you not, know about the Whispers. Yeah, I don't know. Vaguely, uh, do you? I mean, they're an entire community of people that literally wear Walker skin head to toe and smell like Walkers and act like Walkers and become Walkers, so they blend in. But then they also let people's fourteen-year-old daughters get raped by mm-hmm. every guy in the community. That really happened. The leader of the Whispers Alpha, like, was essentially just letting her daughter be the fucking slam, human slam pig of the group. You know, you know just... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, just like, and it was really like, oh, and then she gets saved by Carl and it's fucking beautiful. And then like, you know, she's all fucked up and he's all fucked up and they're you know, fucked up together. And then she for becomes a time. Carl's slam pig. But uh Yeah, she does yeah. actually and she I licks remember his you eye. Telling hole. Me that. That's that's weird, man. Yeah, that really happened. That's why I was so that's why I was so pissed that they killed him on the fucking show. That would have been uh. amazing to see on TV. I mean, it, it, anyways, 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 anyways. Let's go back to your list, bro. Um, man, I love number 21, and I've gained way more respect for him in more recent years, not only because of his involvement in the MCU, as you have stated, but because I've done a little bit more reading because I got into the character of Bucky Barnes a little bit more. Uh, number 21 on your mm-hmm. list is Winter So the, the character of Bucky Barnes has always really, um, really intrigued me, especially because... You know, you look at a movie like like the first Avenger and the beginning of that film, and, and I'm not just looking at this from the film perspective, folks. It's just, this is so relevant. Um, you know, Bucky is the, the person that, that Cap... Cap wants to be Bucky. You know, he's, he's big and he's fit, and, you know, he's got the ladies and... Um, you know, it, it turns out that, that Bucky has to be Cap's sidekick because, you know, Cap, he's fucking Captain America. That's America's ass. 
Mm-hmm. He and gets then, that super soldier serum. You know, when you watch Winter Soldier for the first time and you see, you know, his little ninja mask fall off and it's like, oh no, that's Bucky. You know, and then you, you've got you've got this uh the yin and yang of Captain America is a force for good and then fucking the Winter Soldier is Cap with a bionic fucking arm, which is way cooler than a shield. But he's but he's bad to the bone. Totally. And just that, that whole idea of, of that that whole and idea of a redemption story and it's just you know, th- there's been some crossover comics the last couple years with the Winter Soldier that I've really enjoyed. It's it's just a fun character because he he's not like he's in a character archetype, but he's not constrained in that archetype. The Winter Soldier can basically do whatever the fuck he wants. So I want to tangent with this Winter Soldier thing just for a second because I learned something very fucking interesting about Falcon and the Winter Soldier the uh, Disney is it Plus the last series. couple Do you days? know this news? I'm it, pretty just sure like I know yesterday what you're I think about. dropped or today. <clears throat> so the story of Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to deal with essentially the government mm-hmm. not wanting so Sam you've Wilson got... as Captain America. You've got the government basically as an antagonist deep. because they don't want him to be Cap, and then you've got Zemo on top of that. That that we found out, you know, early last week. And, and Zemo breeds chaos mm-hmm. and can also breed chaos into the government. So you really kind of have a double whammy that can almost play in tandem. It wouldn't surprise me if you learn at some point. That some of people, some of the Zemo's people are in the government and are part of the side tangent this is on your side tangent, little tangentception. Are we going to continue to get? Are we going to continue to get more Ooh, uh, fucking Thunderbolt involvement? You know, I, I would like to say yes, and I think that there are great stories for Thunderbolt Ross to tell and the Thunderbolts as a team. However. Will we ever get to those? Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? William Hurt that plays? Uh, yeah, okay. So he's not he's not getting any younger, bro. And he's he was looking up there in his appearance, and uh, and of course they probably aged him. You know, I actually didn't even think about that. I'm sh- actually mo- most certain they probably aged everybody a little bit to look a little bit older if they weren't snapped, and he probably wasn't snapped. I don't think, but. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross has to become Red Hulk. It's It's got to be... I have to see that. So, yes, I would love to say, yes, I, there needs to be more involvement. And uh, I will note that he does not make your, your top 25, but he's going to make for good mm-hmm. conversation later in your list, for sure. Uh, m- let's move forward a little bit to kind of triple side tangent... Rhodey Rhodes, you guys know him as War Machine, number 20 on your list. Uh, kind of a bit more of the same. Your love is more in the MCU, or is this a, is this a different appreciation for this character? Did you really like him for when he was Rhodey as Iron yes. Man in Secret Wars yes. and was playing Round Ball Jr.? Mm-hmm. Really? 
That's awesome. That's when you first mm-hmm. found uh, Bucky was in the Secret War storyline. I or yeah, not I, not Bucky. I knew, fuck me. I knew what you meant. Rhodey. Yeah, see, yeah. See because it's like you know every every comic book fan knows Iron Man. You know, even even before Robert Downey Jr. Like you just know. It's fucking Iron Man. There's been songs written about him. I'm looking at you, Blue Oyster Cult. Um, I mean, it's just... Like, Iron Man goes with... <laughs> Iron Man goes without you. saying. And then you see almost an identical character, but he's got fucking guns. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He does have badass weaponry. I mean, there is no denying that he is a very cool techie. You know, um, God, I'm trying to think. There was a show I used to watch where one of the characters kept getting dope ass weapon upgrades over and over and over again. I feel like it was like Beast Wars or something. Maybe mm-hmm. not that. Maybe it was. I can't remember. Obviously, it wasn't that good because it's not in my memory. But like. Man, I uh, I like Rhodey as well. I think he's a great character. Uh, let's continue down the line unless you got something else to say about Rhodey or, you know, however you want to do it because this next character, actually, really, the next two characters on your list, I'm so surprised are so far well, down your I mean, list. Well, I mean, there's a lot of star power towards the top of the list, and I couldn't, I can't fit them all at the top of the list. You're right. <laughs> Fair point. They can't number all make 19, it at uh, But at number 19... Big the Baron fucking Von Doom. Victor Von Doom. Dr. Doom, man. Uh, I love this villain. Big bad to Fantastic Four. I think that's one of the most promising reasons that I... And, and like the biggest reasons I'm really excited for them to bring... The Fantastic Four into the MCU is to see a proper mm-hmm. version of Doom done. Well, I mean, the you know, we referenced the the Fantastic Four movies earlier. Um, for for everything that they got wrong, I feel like between the Silver Surfer and uh, Doctor Doom, for the most part, that that they did pretty well for the time. Um, you know. I've never I've I've been pretty anti Fantastic Four for a long time. Um, I've just never really jived with with the characters other than uh, Doctor Doom or the Human Torch. But w- where I really fell in love with with Doctor Doom is when he became a villain for Spider Man. So, I mean, I'm I'm sh- I'm. Yes, Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man number five is the first time that he's happens. Just, yeah, you know he he's the he he's <clears throat> got he's got the brain with the skill set. You know he's he's able to manipulate and outthink and 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 just I mean there's just so much that that Doctor Doom can do that he, any anywhere in the MCU or not MCU but anywhere in Marvel just in general he could be a villain for anyone. And that's I think I think that's what I've really enjoyed, or what really made me fall in love with with Doctor Doom as a character. 
And I mean, I think his uh, juxtaposition mm-hmm. of how he feels during Secret Wars, like he kind of plays the hero role for a little bit and then he kind of takes over and ends up becoming the Beyonder and everything kind of goes south, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everything is crazy for him. And, you know, obviously he becomes the bad. So, uh, like, you nailed, you nailed it perfectly. He is amazing as anyone's villain. And that's what's promising because he doesn't have to be confined. He can lose in the Fantastic Four movie and not be in another Fantastic Four movie until like Fantastic Four Six or some weird arbitrary shit, but be elsewhere in the MCU. So side tangent havoc. from Doctor Doom, Nate. It took me a minute. It took me a minute to find it because I couldn't remember what issue sure. it was. But I'm gonna screen share you the. Sure. The image of what made me fall in love with with War Machine as a character more than Iron Man. Oh, sure, bring it on. Oop, doing some screen share action here. Can't wait to see what I see. Ooh, titties. Can you see it? There aren't titties, folks. Oh. No, I don't Can see, you see it. it? You did? Did you screen? Yep. You're not. Are you screen sharing with me? Oh, now you are. Now I just see a black screen right now. Now I see my face. Now, ooh, damn, I love it. War Machine. I remember. Four. I remember walking into a comic store with my dad, and he says, "Yeah, go pick one out." And I was just fucking, you know, speed going through all the racks, and that that fucking comic right there. You know, just he's all he's locked and loaded, and he's, you know, he's a lot beefier than Iron Man, so he, you know, he just looks more intimidating. I fucking had to have it, you know. God, he kind of almost has mm-hmm. like a Punisher vibe on that cover too, a little bit, you know. Yeah, so that that was it right there. <clears throat> that was the one. That was the one I that did it for love me. That bro, hell's yeah, man. Uh, moving further down the list, we've been talking about him earlier, Villain to Venom, which we'll probably be talking about later on this list. But, man, the man debuted in Amazing Spider-Man 361. You guys know him and hate him or love him. I'm not sure, depending on if you played Maximum Carnage. Spoiler alert, we're talking about Carnage here. I love him, man. Um, give me some insight. What are your favorite things about Cletus Cassidy? Like, what like, would draw <coughs> to that character? You know... Venom is supposed to be the anti-Spider-Man, you know, f- for for a multitude of reasons. And then you have Carnage, which is... I mean, just Cletus Cassidy is so fucking insane and, and so sadistic and cruel. And, I mean, you go to, you go to any issue of any comic that that Carnage is involved in, and if he's in the fucking public, he's just murdering people. And Spider and Spider Man, he's like, so brutal. Like once Spider Man gets involved, he's murdering people in front of Spider Man just because he can. And mm-hmm. oh, and, and he knows you know, it especially Parker. you know we'll t- we'll talk about Spider Man specifically. Uh, a little further down the list, but like Peter Parker of all the villains that, that he faces, like how many villains just kill people in the street? Like, I mean a handful, 
Yeah. Not not very many. Most have most have an altruistic reason for doing what they're doing, unless they're a crime boss who is literally just a crime boss. And I don't think mm-hmm. they're really a smart supervillain or something like that. They don't have you know. But you, all, every super, I mean, ninety percent of supervillains right. have altruistic and, reasons for doing what they're doing. And Carnage they is just fucking guy. maiming and killing and and causing chaos. And it, you know, everything that Venom is supposed to be opposite of Spider-Man, Carnage is, excuse me, is that turned up to 11. Uh, To me, Carnage is like if Venom was watching (laughs) Terminator 2 and then was like, fuck it, I'm going to do a huge line of blow right now, you know, and just like snorts a bunch of blow and then now he's like, fuck Mm -hmm. yeah, Rage, Ah!" You know, and just goes fucking crazy and starts scything people and shit. And you're just like, mm-hmm. whoa, bro, chill out. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Calm down. It's okay. It's funny that you put these two to, to side by side. I'm not even sure if you meant to do this. And we're going to, we're, we're able to kind of fluidly talk about both of them now at the same time because really your number 17, Green Goblin, goes hand in hand with Carnage as more recently in the end of the Spider Man um, comics, they're going into 800. Spider-Man 800, the final story was Red Goblin, which was Green Goblin with the powers of Carnage. I mean, holy fucking shit, Norman Osborn empowering the, the powers of Goblin and, and Carnage all mm-hmm. in one. It was just and that, like and that's... chaos, you know? And it was really a lot of what you said, you know? He killed in the streets. He, Red Goblin killed in the streets. that's part of the reason the why I put... Give a fuck. Um... Goblin and uh, Carnage back-to-back. You know, not only is Green Goblin probably Spider-Man's best villain, you know, because of how how intelligent Norman Osborn is and, you know, how technologically capable he is and, and how much... I mean, he has the ability to create whatever he wants to go opposite of Spider-Man, you know, between... Just, just all of his tech and and, and his smarts, um, it's just it's always good. And then you fucking th- you take Carnage and you give him a brain, like then some real shits going down. I'm looking at at some of the panels from Red Carnage, and wow. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, brutal. The the character's truly brutal, and I love. Listen, Carnage for me has been a long love affair for this character because I really appreciated him when he first was created in the comics. And I remember my buddy had the comics and I was like, that character's fucking cool. And then he was in the cartoon. And then a few years down the road, you get to the Mm Spider-Man game on the Nintendo 64, uh, Red Cartridge, and Monster Ock is the final boss. Carnage becomes Ock and fucking goes crazy and starts destroying this building you're in and you just have to escape. It's fucking brutal. It's awesome. You know, but it's like, oh my God, they saved Carnage for the end. He's such a impactful character that they waited till the very fucking end. Like, that's amazing. You know? But, um... The, the thing, you know, with Carnage also is that they've utilized him in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Maximum Carnage, the video game... They did the the comic book series. They did Minimum Carnage, the comic book's miniseries. Absolute Carnage, the mini comic book series. I mean, and they're all awesome. Carnage in Mm -hmm. the USA was even a a series, I do believe. 
you know? Like, that's crazy. Now, uh, your next pick, are you, let's see, I'm going to try to do what you just did for me, okay? I'm going to try to screen share for you something, okay? I don't know if you've even ever seen this, so, and maybe you have, I'm unsure. This is, uh, that's, I guess, good enough. Uh, yeah, it'll look good. Okay, so I'm going to screen share with you real quick, dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can you see, you see this Spider-Man cover? Uh, I got black screen. Oh. Nope. I, I just had black screen. Nothing? Hold on. Let me try again. Okay. How about now? Eh? I'm not good at this. <laughs> okay. I'm going to stop trying because I'm doing really bad. Uh, I just oh, got black did screen. Did I do it? Do you uh, see I yourself I see yet? myself and you in the top right corner. You just have black screen. Oh, now I see me. Okay. Okay. Still looking at now me. Now do you see? Nope. I'm still looking no? at a frozen image of me. Oh. Okay, yep, now Tyler. I, now, look, now I got. If you can hear me. Oh, yep, I see it. I oh. Mm hmm. Never seen that before. You're seeing it. Okay. This is one of the reasons I love Red Skull so much. He's next on your list. This is a cover that I hugely remember from my childhood Amazing Spider Man 325. Uh, I think my cousin had this issue. I actually have two versions of this issue. One's like right over here to the left of me, and it's a CGC graded comic. And then I have one regular version like I normally collect that's not graded, and, you know, I can mm -hmm. read it like a fucking human person. <sighs> I won't get into that tangent. But anyways, what's your it's love affair with Red Skull, fucking, my dude? I mean, it's it's kind of along the same lines as Carnage. He's just nuts. I mean, like... He's it, super nuts. It, it's, hard, it's hard to articulate, but like the red, the red Skull has so much jealousy of Captain America because Captain America is everything that that the Skull should be. But you know, it it went awry, and now he's got the red fucking Skull. You know, um, like yes. is he more intelligent than Captain America? Absolutely. Does he have the same skill set? I, I feel like absolutely. Um, but he he's just... Like, when he when he goes... When him and Captain America face off, like, not only does he have... Like, he has the ability to put a plan in place, but he's also got the skills to back it up when that plan falls apart. You know, and he, he's got the jealousy and the hatred on top of that. So... He's he's kind of like Doctor Doom, and you know I I like my favorite times of the Red Skull are when the Red Skull is supporting another villain. Mm -hmm. Yes, yep. Masters of Evil style. <clears throat> Red Skull and Loki have teamed up. Red mm -hmm. Skull and Thanos have teamed up. Um. I feel like Red Skull maybe did something with Ultron, but my brain is a little fucked up right now, and I can't really recall. 
I'm actually going to Google that while we're on here talking. Um, so what was your first introduction to Red Skull that you can remember? Masters of Evil, for sure. Let's see. I don't think they've done anything together because it's pulling up some weird shit that has nothing to do with anything at all comic-related. So I guess Ultron and Red Skull have not worked together, but that's interesting to know. Anyways, um, let's look now at the next one on your list. Colossus. Who is it? The big at number 15. Man. Yes, the X-Men debuting in giant size X-Men number one, and then officially debuting in Uncanny X-Men 94, which was the big rebirth of the X-Men series after some shenanigans. Because, Tyler, I don't know if you know this or not, but there was a time when the X-Men comics, instead of printing new stories, they were just reprinting old comics and keeping the number system going. So there are comics in the 60s and 70s and 80s. I think it's like to 83 mm-hmm. or something, 84. It might actually be to 94, but they're reprints. They're old stories reprinted that they told like over the course of a yeah, couple of years they that. did this, you know? Yeah, but Colossus, of course... Like I said, when when they did Giant Size X-Men number one, it was kind of relaunch the team, reboot the series. He's a part of that. Um, his story gets bigger, and obviously Kitty Pride becomes involved. And, 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 and all in all, uh, I can never say his name. Don't make me try. Um, but mm-hmm. I like Colossus quite a bit. Another great, he's just, he's just amazing a, character on your list. And actually, to just go into He's just such with, a good... Go ahead supporting member of the X-Men. Absolutely. Hands mm-hmm. down. He's a utility player, too. He's he's so versatile across the board. Uh, let's look at, to go into kind of tandem with Colossus here, also debuting um, at Uncanny, or not Uncanny, but at uh, Giant Size X-Men, X-Men number mm-hmm. one was Nightcrawler. Man, the... the- the moment I read a panel where he f- he's fucking teleporting around, and then and then you see him on the animated series from the '90s, and he's fucking teleporting around, and he he's doing his, uh, you know, his circus act routine. Like, as as a kid in the '90s, how can you not fall in love with Nightcrawler? Absolutely. There's a uh, one of. Total side tangent, I think we've talked about this before, but we have a Mm -hmm. litter of outdoor cats. And I like letting these cats be of nature. And they love it out there, man. They live in their little family. They're in my backyard. They literally live their life in my backyard. They they keep their kind of parameters and whatnot. They expect me to feed them. You know, it's it's like a cohabitation thing or whatever, and it's nice. But I've named them after the X-Men, and one of which, the only boy, is named Nightcrawler. I mean, come on. Fucking badass. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Nightcrawler at 14, we both agree, an amazing character. Number 13, I like that you put him at 13. Uh, Mr. Double M, Matt Murdock himself. Daredevil, where's, uh, I mean, I'm going to keep asking this question, so just be prepared to answer it. But we're, again, jumping into Tyler's journey into comics. We've done this with me already and talked about why I love these characters, but... I'm more interested in why you love them. Well, if you Let's look at my 12 and 13 on the list, they're both very, very similar. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I was... 
when I was an angsty Tandem teenager, again, yes. what I was reading at the time was almost exclusively anti-hero. I don't want to read The Knight in the Shining Armor, the, the hero is always saving the day. I wanted to see a little bit of grit and a little bit of, you know, the, the fucking hero might not win this week, you know, like he might take an L because he's up against some shit. And, you know, number 13 with the daredevil, you have a guy who is, you know, by all, by all regards blind and then has this gift to just fucking like a bat echolocate and, we're, and knows where shit's at. You know, it's just, it's so different. I mean, like, you know, you you pick, you pick walk into a comic book store and you're like, I want your section on blind superheroes. Like, yeah. There's only one. You know, it's just, he's such a unique character and then, you know... Number 12, I've got the Punisher, and pretty much everything that I'm saying with Daredevil can be said with the Punisher, and I'll I'll add a little bit when we move to the next one, but for Daredevil and the Punisher, you know, you get so much crossover with Spider-Man because they're all kind of sharing the same home turf that that realistically, that's what made me fall in love with those two characters is, hey, uh, Spidey's in some shit. And Daredevil shows up, and then they tag team it out, or, or the same thing happens with with Punisher, or you know, Spidey might view um, Castle as a villain more than a hero because he uses guns. I mean, he debuted mm-hmm. he debuted as a villain, so, bro. I, I you know b- between um, twelve and thirteen with Punisher and Daredevil, just. I mean, those two characters, I feel like, have become a template for a lot of other anti-heroes in the industry, you know, with their pretty tragic backstories and, and then everything that they've done in their in their long-running careers. I just, you know, they're just awesome characters. They also have their own Netflix series for a time. Uh, uh, one thing I want to mention about uh, Daredevil, Punisher, you mentioned Spider-Man. I think it's interesting to note Daredevil number one featured mm-hmm. an appearance by Spider-Man. Even though Daredevil hadn't appeared in any other comic, it was his literal first appearance. And uh, wore different colors, yellow and red, not just all red. Uh, interesting to note, too, that while Daredevil had Daredevil had the Punisher, or had the, uh, the Spider-Man cameo in the first issue, the Punisher debuted in Spider-Man 129. So it comes full circle, just like you said. Another thing that's beautiful in tandem with Spider-Man and Daredevil, both of their 16th issues, Daredevil's 16th issue and Spider-Man's 16th issue, which I don't think came out Mm -hmm. anywhere near the same time, per se, both featured Mm -hmm. crossovers of each other. So Daredevil 16 has Spidey teaming up with Daredevil, and then Spidey 16 has Daredevil on it. And it's, it's, I mean, man, those guys, those are old-school characters that I really love, and, and the same is to be said with Punisher. Uh, number eleven. I'm interested to know which version you have at number eleven. Nova. Well, I guess let me flip the script on you a little bit and ask you if you were going to put Nova on your list, what version would you put on there? Bam! You got it, Richard Ryder. I mean, I mean, I I can only put Richard Ryder in a yeah, you know. 
in my brain. I mean, you, you knew the answer when you asked me who it was going to be. Because I've, I've talked... Well, I know, yeah, I know but, but I have to I mean, set it up I mean, anyone that's listened to any of the shows that I've been on before I became full-time co-host um, of Journey into Comics knows how bad I fucking want and, and how bad Nate and I want Nova in the MCU. I feel like Captain Marvel... St- <laughs> I feel like Please. Captain Marvel stole a little bit of Nova's thunder and... Um, Maybe we should have got Brie Larson before we got... Or not Brie Larson. Maybe we should have got Richard Ryder before we got Brie Larson. Um, I just... He's fucking badass. I mean, like some of these characters, I struggle describing why I love them so much just because, like, I remember my first exposure to the characters and and why I bought those issues or, or why I picked those issues out. Because they had badass cover art, you know, like the first time I the first time I read a comic that had Nova in it, yeah. like I didn't know who Nova was, but it had some badass cover art, you know. Absolutely, drawn to it, you were just like, "Oh shit, this looks cool!" Like I don't even care what the story is. Let me just get it on this art level. I think that's something that not a lot of people, a lot of comic book fans, I maybe are a little bit uh, afraid to admit that, but I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought it up because it is kind of a thing. I like buying comics sometimes well, based on the cover too, man. I don't care if I if like the book or not. I mean, why else would you buy an alternate other than, um, you know, the cover art? I mean, there's not really any other reason to buy more than one. I think one of my favorite things that they've been doing in the modern era of variant covers and stuff with comics, and I, as I look over at one right now that's CGC graded because of who signed it, uh, I love mm-hmm. the sketch cover variant idea. Here's a blank cover. Let any artist you run into at a con do their cover. Do what they mm-hmm. want to do with this character for this cover. you know, And you end up getting some amazing results man people who you never would expect to work on certain books get an opportunity to draw these characters and you get to see like jim lee's take on fucking spider-man 2099 or some shit and you're like that would never happen you would never see that in the modern era but because of sketch covers you get to see shit Mm -hmm. like that because people can have shit commissioned you know um i have an adventure time number one sketch cover variant signed by pendleton ward the creator of Adventure Time, yeah, it's fucking really rad. And uh, I mean, I have some really weird shit too. Like um, the very first comic, because of alphabetical, uh, the very first comic in my collection, as far as order wise, is a mindless self indulgence comic. Like the band Mindless Self Indulgence put on a comic. I saw it one day in a comic shop. I was like, "It's fucking weird." I'm buying it. Done. Strange shit like that, man. Real- Let's move on now from Nova. And the Nova uh, Core Richard Ryder story. Say, Go ahead. Uh, I found what issue um, of that of, of that Nova comic it is. <gasps> Ooh, I want to see it. I'm gonna try. Are you gonna screen share me? Sweet. Hopefully, your luck is more better than mine was. It's a black screen. It's a black screen. It's a black screen. I'm just gonna like respond how you responded. And see, and I, okay, oh, 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 mine. Um, the man called Nova issue eleven from nineteen. Uh, let's see, that would have been like seventy-seven or seventy-six. Uh, this says 
I think. This, well, it says this. Is there a date um, on there somewhere? This run went from 1976 to 1978. Damn, I just not bad. Okay, I'm on it. I this is have, this is uh, one of the ones that my dad has in his collection, and that's where that's where I read it the first time. Um, you know, on on the cover, you know, it's got Nova basically getting fucking the shit kicked out of him, and. At the bottom, you know, you've got that contrast of the bright yellow box with the red lettering. Nova battles to the death alone against the Sphinx. And I, I mean, I mean, Sphinx would be a cool mm-hmm. character to see on the. I mean, I remember, I remember grabbing this out of the box, and I was like, "What the hell is this? I'm sold," you know. So. Yeah. Man, you know, I'm I'm kind of envious that your dad collected comics and you got to kind of have that experience because my dad really didn't, and I had to discover comics uh, like as far as like the books themselves in a different manner and like much later and and things of that nature. But uh, oh, hey, what up, dog? How's it going? Oh, look at you! There you are. Look at that face. Look at that Tyler face. As Tyler as Tyler can be. Let's talk about your number ten, man. We're fine or. Man, we could totally fucking hoe these people and stop with the top ten left and <laughs> next, say, Lee, come next week. Next time. Another episode Ball of Journey Z. into Comics. <laughs> the, the next... Ooh, that's one of my favorite The zingers. next five episodes next are just me yelling. Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, my God. So I saw this thing online yesterday. I want to tangent this because it's, it's worth mentioning. It was a video... And it was like a mixture of two things where some of the videos were two different clips that kind of went together strangely, like a movie clip that went together with a real life clip where like a a guy would throw a ball and right as soon as he threw it, the timing was this gif of this guy getting hit in the fucking dick with a ball. And then it just like, it looks like he, Mm -hmm. the guy in the movie threw the ball at the dick. But I know that that's hard to follow a little bit, but then like also they had like weird sounds, people trying to make sounds, but it would sound like other things. And this kid's like, I'm going to go next level Super Saiyan. And he starts going, yeah, and they fucking put it to cars racing, dude. And I fucking fell out. I've not laughed that hard in a long time. That shit got me fucking race cars going around a track to this kid going, yeah, yeah. You know, trying to fucking say it out, man. Anyways, let's get into your top ten. Let's not hawk about. Uh, let's talk about the man with the bow, my friend, and Green not arrow. Legolas or Oliver Queen. Like, the, yeah, not the Green Arrow. Why not the Green Arrow? Well, why, why, um, why Hawkeye over Green Arrow? If I was, let's paint the scene here. I'm in a fictional. Mm-hmm. I'm in Paint a me like one of your French girls, Tyler. Like modern day city. I'm in charge of the city and I've got unlimited capital and resources and there's some threat, you know, whatever to the city. In my mind, am I going to call the Justice League or am I going to call the Avengers? I think I'm going to I think I'm going to call the Avengers myself. Avengers 10 to 1. So, do I yeah, enjoy Green Arrow? Absolutely. 
Uh, do I like the purple and black more than I like the green and black? Absolutely. And another MCU tie-in, I feel like Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is one of those castings that we may not have felt it in the beginning, but I don't think I don't think that you can argue Impeccable with it now, now especially with his performance as Ronan and Hawkeye throughout Endgame. Um, you know, one of argu- one of arguably the best castings that they've well, done in the entire series. And I've always enjoyed Hawkeye because he's a regular fucking dude. He's just a dude. Yes, absolutely. And they, you know, they gave us the slow burn on Jeremy Renner's character. They've been able to develop him out more, give him more of a a human side. You know, I don't think I appreciated Hawkeye's character in the movie side of the universe until Age of Ultron. I think that's really where he blooms. That scene with Scarlet Witch, you know, the city is flying. The city is flying. You know, if you go out there right now, you're an Avenger. You know, okay, good talk. (laughs) He he just, all right, that was good enough. You know, let's go. It's time to fucking die. (laughs) You know, and here it is, man. And I was like, God, the humanity. And then that coupled with like the scene with Quicksilver is just like, man, those moments make you go, wow, Jeremy Renner, where were you? Like, where was this side of your character mm-hmm. in the Avengers, you know, in the first movie? To have a little bit more of that human humanity when he was being controlled by Loki and being a puppet with Selvig, like, I think mm-hmm. it would have evolved the character, but we got it how we got it, and of course now you can't be any happier um, to couple that, I think this is another great character that just the MCU put a spotlight on an already fantastic character. I'm interested in knowing because I'm not sure, and I don't know if I could answer this question, but is your number nine pick Scott Lang? It's Scott Lang. Or Hank Pym? Okay, let's talk about it, my brother. Let's talk I like, about Ant-Man in the Scott Lang I like Lang the idea form. of a character who's not necessarily in their mind the hero, but they are taking the mantle of someone who was the hero. Kind of like, kind of along the same lines as, as Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond. Like, and that that's how I, that's how I yes. in my mind, uh, like really connect the dots with Scott Lang and Hank Pym. You know, Scott Lang is not Hank Pym. Hank Pym would never in his mind be Scott Lang. But the fact that two of them are connected through that suit and the powers that, that um, you know, Hank basically gave them both, um, I've just really, mm-hmm, I've just really, I've just really enjoyed that, you know. And, you know, I, I've got, the the MCU tie-in has to be relevant. I mean, Paul Rudd, man. As Scott Lang. Dude, so, again, I'm on a tangent. City, USA, I'm so sorry. This episode's going to be the longest fucking podcast. We were like, <laughs> it's going to be a short one tonight. That's a lie. Of course, we're here together, so of course we can't just go <laughs> like an hour. That's a bullshit lie. Anyways, I watched this movie with Scott Lang, and or with Scott Lang, fuck, <laughs> with Paul Rudd. <laughs> Shit, I fucked that one up. Uh but I watched this movie with Paul Rudd on Netflix called The Fundamentals mm-hmm. of Caring. Have you seen that? Dude. 
So Paul Rudd's like this guy, and he's like um, a dad, or he is a former mm. dad because his kid dies tragically. And uh, that's like that's like a subplot to the story that's not really that important. But what's important is he is a caregiver. He goes and decides to be a caregiver, and he starts caring for this kid who's like 18 okay. or 19 with muscular dystrophy. And uh, this kid's like, you know... Uh, so, uh, since you're going to be wiping my ass, how will you do it? You know, this kid's like a real kind of piece of shit to Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd's like, well, I would wipe your ass so that there was no longer any shit on it. And the kid's like, yep, he's the one. And then, so it's like this, like, buddy thing. And the kid's never left his house. And Paul Rudd convinces him, like, let's go on a road trip. And it's it's beautiful, dude. It's a fucking awesome movie. It's so well done. Again, Paul Rudd just killing it. And this was before he was, I think, before or right, it might have been the first movie he did right after Ant-Man. Um, and he just hits a fucking absolute home run, dude. It's an awesome, awesome flick. Highly recommend No, that's fine. I know we're tangenting out of Ant-Man, yep. but back into it. How much Scott Lang have you Not Not a read whole lot. Is, I've, I've read a couple question. issues, and I've, I've read a couple of the crossovers. Um, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. While you're working on pulling that up, I do want to tell you that there was the new, I think it was like Marvel Now 2015 reboot of Ant-Man. It was so good. It's a Scott Lang-centric story. He is Ant-Man. He kind of has problems. It was around the time the movie was coming out, so there are some similarities. Cassie's a big part of it. You know, but the cool thing is he, like, treats Cassie differently in the comics and lets her get little with him. So he takes her, and they have, like, a play date in her dollhouse. And it's fucking, oh, dude, it's super, like, especially as a father and you having Ruby, you'll fucking absolutely just adore on that. Oh, the Astonishing Ant-Man. Everybody so that's, loves team-ups. So that's the, that came out in 2015. Yeah. That was issue one of that. I read that. And then if I go back here, thanks to Amazon... Amazonia. I read this one. In the Irredeemable mm-hmm. Ant Man, huh? That came out. Okay. Awesome. I don't remember when this came out. 2013, I think, maybe. Oh, no. 13. And then. All right. Let's see if I can find it here. Ooh, actually, if you go up. Uh, scroll up just a little bit more to the one more. See mm-hmm. that Ant Man Second Chance Man? I'm pretty sure that's the story. If that's the if that's got a 2015 date below, that is fucking awesome. That's uh definitely yep, the book I was telling you about. Yeah, it is. 2015. That's the version. Yep, I haven't read this one. It, it's it's yeah, in my for sure, my man. backlog of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, he's in the snow globe in Miami and shit, man. Like, that kind of plays mm-hmm. into the first issue a little bit, too. Yeah, I remember seeing so. this art with him going from small to big. You know, really really dug the artwork. Like, part of the reason why I've, I've really enjoyed Ant-Man, uh, you know, the um, uh, MCU aside and Paul Rudd, is, like, 
like the Wasp sounds like a cool character. Yellow Jacket sounds like a cool character. Spider-Man sounds like a cool character. Ant-Man sounds like a dude who fucking gets down with ants, you know? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like the character would be relevant <laughs> when you're fighting, like, you're fighting Ultron or Thanos. Like, okay, you know, Ant-Man's not really going to be relevant. Just, just from his title. And then he ends up being one of the most unique, one of the most unique characters, whether it's Hank Pym or Scott Lang. I feel in in all of MCU, or, or all of Marvel, not MCU. I keep saying that. And I got you. No worries, man. Now this next one on your list, I want to mention is definitely one of my favorites. So much so that I have the shoes. But let's talk a little bit about the man himself, Wade Wilson. DP. I mean, Deadpool. It, like all, everything about Deadpool goes without being said. But I mean, all the all the fourth wall breaks, the obsessions with with chimichangas, and you know, like Deadpool is the king of crossover content and team up content. And in like in my comic book obsession, the team-ups and the crossovers are hands down my favorite, bar none, no questions asked. You know, your your Infinity Wars, your Secret Wars, you know, any team-ups at all, those are my favorites. And Deadpool has the ability to pair with any fucking character in Marvel Comics and it be a good book. Dude, but I mean, beyond that, though, I'm, and I agree with you fully. I agree with everything that you just said. I don't want to take away from that. Like, he pairs so well with everybody. Mm-hmm. You've obviously got Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. Deadpool kills Deadpool. Uh, you know, things of that nature. But then you have to think that the character is so um, almost godlike, omnipotent in some ways that they were able to pull off a four or six issue, and I'm not sure, you'd have to look it up, but there was a miniseries called Deadpool Killustrated, and it was him through all major works. Like, the first book was okay. him in Moby Dick, and, like, how he would handle Moby Dick. And it's, redi- dude, it's so funny and ridiculous. Like, and and the covers are absolutely astounding. The Killustrated covers are fucking amazing i'm, I'm looking at the I one right now that. of him and moby um, dick but let's get into it man what what makes you love the pool of dead just 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 his ability yes. to be relevant in any story i mean like so like versatile. right here for example you brought up the killustrated volume three is deadpool killustrated a christmas character or a christmas carol and it's him standing with the swords over top of yep. Ebenezer Scrooge as the ghost of Christmas past. Like, that is fucking incredible, and that is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Through and through, 100%. I mean, you have like, you no have a character asked. that is um, basically, you know, you, you put it very, very perfect, um, or you put it perfectly, if I can speak like a proper human being. Um, he's basically God, like... Like you're right. I mean, unless you fucking totally destroy him, he's not coming back. And even then, he might still come back. You know? Yeah, I absolutely agree because he's like an an endless character. Another thing that's really interesting to notice: he's so versatile. It's almost ridiculous to say this, but he could mm-hmm. show up in a DC comic, and it would kind of make sense. 
Like, oh, multiverse, yeah, I mean, Deadpool's going to be in one of them. Even if he's got a black and orange mask you know? and his name is Deathstroke, I mean, it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> but that's the that's the funny thing, is have mm-hmm. Deathstroke and Deadpool face-to-face. You know, how hysterical they, would that be? It'd I, be amazing. I, I thought they did an issue just to be of so that meta about uh, it. a couple years ago. I thought... Really? I thought that they did. You might know something that I don't know. But maybe not. Well, we're going to find out is what we're going to do. I will say we're going to revert back to the list here in a second because we're going to change it up for a second, you guys. It's been a very Marvel-heavy mm-hmm. podcast on this day. And um, we're going to change it up just a little bit, okay? We're just going to change it up just a little bit. Lead us in, Nate. We are talking about... For the, let's see what spot, seventh spot. We're almost to the final five. Holy shit. Took us this long to get one. You haven't had Batman. You have not had The Flash or Superman or Wonder Woman or Aquaman or Cyborg or Lex Luthor or Bane or the Joker or the Riddler or Catwoman Penguin. Any of those characters at all. The first one you have, and I must know why. It's it's all about the the emotional spectrum that based on... What emotion controls you is is where you would end up in the Lantern core. Ooh, yeah, that's beautiful. It is awesome. I don't know. Where would you end up? I, I think I would probably be uh, Sinestro core or yellow. A yellow lantern. I mean, it just depends. I mean, but... Yep. But, but the whole idea Sinestro of having... The whole idea of having this ring that gives you the power to create basically anything that you want and then your moral compass is what emotion you most closely uh, associate with and then that dictates like what your entire core of people, how they interact with every other living thing in the universe it's just, it's such a unique concept. See what you did there. You know, like, just, just to go down them, you know, the the White Lantern Corps, it's all about life. The Red Lantern Corps, the Sinestro Corps is about rage. The orange is avarice. Yellow is fear. Green is willpower. Indigo is compassion. Violet's love. And black is death. Like, each one of these emotions is not black and white it's it's not cut and dry it's not you know it's not set in stone like if you look at at red which is rage the the emotion of rage encompasses so many emotions you know thrown into a pot and fucking boiled on high and it's just you know and, and there's so many different characters in all the lantern core that that are that are unique and powerful or, or may not be super powerful but, but but they're totally relevant to the story no matter what that's it, just it's some of the most um how do I want to phrase it it's some of the most unique and individual writing and character concepts in all of comic book history in my opinion especially for DC i mean with marvel you've got the nova core which a lot of people would say well that's just the lantern core but it's it's not the same. Totally different. 
definitely different. Did you know what the most powerful weapon uh, uh, a Green Lantern's no. ring could ever make is? I do. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> it's the Golden Girls. <laughs> okay. Okay. They did that on an episode of Teen Titans Go. Beast Boy gets Lantern's ring and he uses it to summon the most powerful th- weapon that okay. the Lantern Corps can create, and it's the Golden Girls. <laughs> Me too. Uh, let's move into number six here. Magneto. He's, 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 I mean, he's the original. He's the OG. You know, he's arguably the best villain in in the X-Men besides Apocalypse. I mean, and, he, and even then, Apocalypse isn't as good a villain as Magneto, in my opinion, you know? Well, and he's, he's just has lingering. So much more depth. I mean, he's always there. He's always a thorn in the X-Men side. You know, he's much like a lot of the other villains that we've talked about on my list. I mean, he's always pulling the strings somewhere. He's uber intelligent. He's he has a unique power set that no one else really has. I mean, he's just I mean, he's the guy. He's the villain in the X-Men and that I mean, he he's he's got to be in I the agree. top 10. I would have liked to put him in the top 5, but I couldn't I couldn't squeeze him in there. Your top 5 is jam-packed, bro. I mean, and actually your top five, the first one in your top five really goes hand in hand with Magneto because one of the biggest mm-hmm. threats to his existence was Magneto and number and, five is and Wolverine. And much like I said with the with the Lantern Corps, um, Wolverine is all about rage, man. It, like like if you, if you get into like the, the primal stuff with Wolverine, I mean, he's especially like the Berserker stuff, like... Claws are out all the time. He's fucking always yelling. And, you know, I remember seeing a, a cartoon, um, man, mid-2000s that was uh, Thor versus the Hulk. And Loki, basic, Loki basically mind-controlled yeah. Banner and made him permanently turn into the Hulk. And... You know, he beat Thor within an inch of his life and then fought Wolverine. And he ripped, and this was a comic. It was a comic, too. It was Wolverine versus the Hulk, but um, I obviously don't remember what issue that is. Yep. but I have all four um, issues, by the way. No, mm-hmm. literally, Wolverine but versus the Hulk was its own and in the cartoon, one four. Uh, if I remember right, Hulk rips Wolverine in half. Like, straight. You're half now. You're no longer alive. And uh, he pulls oh. through it. You know, having having the 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 gift of, of basically immortality with his healing factor, and then you throw in those adamantium claws. I mean, j- just just talking about Wolverine, and this is part of the reason why he's in the top five. How many debates do you think nerds like you and I have had where what's stronger, adamantium or vibranium? You know, they're in the same universe. They've got to interact at some point. Could Wolverine cut through Captain America's shield? I mean, like, to be a character that that, that is talked about that much, you have to be in the top five. And he has one of the most... And he has one of the most in-depth stories of any characters in the X-Men. Absolutely well said. 
Uh, Wolverine also uh, first appears in Incredible Hulk 180, and then again in 181. Um, mm-hmm. Important that their kind of their back history is together. You know, he becomes a totally different character after that. Though they did a little four part miniseries with him, decided to give him his own series to spin off. As that's happening, he de- they decide they want to put him mm-hmm. into the X Men, and it's a whole new change, man. And uh, Wolverine is synonymous with that, you know. Uh, but you said it. I mean, some of my favorite comic book stories of all time. Here, I mean, honestly, I'm going to list them to you right now. These are like some in my top. 10 but i don't know where you'd list them but like mm-hmm. old man logan the the actual comic uh weapon x and origin i don't know if I you've have. read the origin story mm-hmm. just wolverine origin it's fucking incredible for those of you out there who have not read it it's a totally different spin it's absolutely amazing i i definitely highly recommend it uh, but hey, man, we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, <laughs> Yellow Sea Lion. Uh, because your number four happens to be a web slinger, just not the one that I would have ever expected you to pick. At least it's not ben initially. Riley, my man, let's bring him up. What do you say? That Ooh, that Scarlet homemade so fucking pretty. suit that he had. I mean, when I was a kid. Like, the first time I saw the Scarlet Spider, I was like, you know, it, it, it's 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 total contrast versus the regular Spidey suit. It's totally different in every way. And, you know, it's got, it's got the Absolutely. big, like, the obnoxiously large eyes, and then you've got that, that like, teal or light blue, um, like, cut-off sweatshirt. So it's kind of like angsty, you know, it just, it really vibed with me when I was, you know, getting to be a teenager. And then you get into the whole, the whole clone storyline of the the Scarlet Spider and, and with a jackal and, you know, Peter Parker hangs up the suit and Ben Riley becomes Spider-Man. He doesn't want to be the Scarlet Spider, he just wants to be Spider-Man. And then in the end, you know... He dies, and it turns out that that Ben Riley was the real Peter Parker the whole time, you know. And that, like, yep. that twist of, hey, you're a clone of Peter Parker. You're the only perfect one. And then at the end of that story, he was really the real one the whole time. Like that is one of that is one of the best. That is one of the best twists in 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 Spider-Man for sure in my opinion ever. So Agreed I mean I love as much as we've talked about this uh, I love Spider-Man in any rendition. I mean Scarlet Spider, Spider-Gwen 2099, I mean however however you want to sling it. Um but, but Ooh, I see what you, you know, did there. When I really got into Spider-Man, you know, Venom is what it, Venom is really what got me there first. But then when I started to dabble more into Spider-Man, I mean, Ben Riley really did it for me. Yeah, he's an amazing uh, addition to the Spider Universe. I'm trying to pinpoint when he debuted. It was Amazing Spider-Man. 
God, but you know, forty something, I think. But you know, now with with the Scarlet Spider and Ben Riley, there's so many spinoff series, and then you know when he originally came in into the Spidey comics, his arc was supposed to be so short, and fans fans liked the Ben Riley story so much that they actually extended it. I think four or six issues initially, um, before he, excuse me before he transitioned from the Scarlet Spider into wearing the regular Spidey suit. Um, you know, it's just like, I'm going to screen share this with you real quick. Like this image, this cover art is so iconic for Spider-Man. You know, he's doing the regular, uh, uh, a traditional Spider-Man pose, but just everything that's going on with the webs and his pose and then the font above him, I mean, it's just, it's so iconic. It's hard It's hard not to really dig all the Ben Riley stuff, for me, anyway. Can you? Absolutely. Can you I, see I it? I fully agree with you. You know, one one thing to note, and I do see that. Oh, yeah, it looks awesome. Uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, Web of Scarlet Spider. Great series there. I think that was like... Late nineties, early two thousands, or something. It only went for one, one or two. Yeah, uh, it only uh, went for one year. It was ninety five to ninety six. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he, uh, Ben Riley first appeared as Peter Parker's clone in Amazing Spider Man one forty nine, October of seventy five. Um, of course, he also appears as Scarlet Spider for the first time in Web of Spider Man one eighteen as Ben Riley in Spider Man number fifty one, October of ninety four. As regular Spider-Man and Sensational Spider-Man Zero, and then apparently as the Jackal in Clone Conspiracy Number Three, December. I haven't of read it either, but I, I have I not read. Read an article about it a couple weeks ago when we when we did the Yellow Sea Lion stuff. Noise, 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 noise. All right, let's get to your top three, man, and we'll get ourselves out of here. Uh, I know, actually I don't know the answer to this. Go ahead and talk about number three on your list. He is the Spirit of Vengeance, Ghost that, Rider. That sets it up right there. I mean, that is 100% why I like Ghost Rider. This idea of, of uh, like, Johnny Blaze making a pact with the devil, you know, in, in, in whatever iteration you, you want to go Ghost Rider with, getting these powers from from something otherworldly to then be a slave. It's just like, you want to talk about anti-heroes with, with Deadpool or yeah, Deadpool and Punisher and Daredevil. Like Ghost Rider is hardcore anti-hero. And like, you know, here recently they announced the, the Robbie Reyes, uh, Ghost Rider TV show, which I hope is really, really good. Get rid of that stupid car. Give the man a motorcycle. And, uh, I mean, the the Ghost Rider stories are just unique. I mean, you look at, at Cosmic Ghost Rider and, and traveling back in time to kill Thanos, and then he actually raises Thanos as his child. And, like, Ghost Rider, it's just, it's different. You know, it, it's more... It's one of those that's that's a little bit more adult, kind of like Blade and, and, and the rest of them that I mentioned. And, 
you know, much like um, uh, a couple other characters I mentioned, like the crossover material is just fucking fantastic. Absolutely, man. Uh, the crossover material for Ghost Rider is great, but then there, you know, the, the, there's an even deeper layer to the character, kind of because. He is kind of constantly tormented. You know, he gets what he wants in the power, mm-hmm. but he has to do the bidding of Mephisto. And in doing that, he's constantly at war with himself. And I think that's an testament to that character's mm-hmm. complexity that he is never at peace. You know, it's always um, bumping heads. I almost said bumping uglies, but that's not what I meant to say. Um but yeah, like the, the just the head bumping of everything uh, with that character internally makes everything externally even that much more powerful, you know. Because when he does stand up and fight against the things they're trying to make him do, mm-hmm. you know, it it, it it elevates him tenfold. I think. But uh, I want to say I think it's it's not really that much of a surprise, but it's kind of a surprise. Your number one and your number two picks. Also, considering that dope ass mm-hmm. pop vinyl I gave you as an awesome gift. Well, being before we get to that part combined. of the part, of, I was I was gonna bring that up before you did. I'm I was supposed to be screen sharing right now, and I don't know if you can see it or not. But there's a Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider uh, Venomized variant cover, where it's a fucking Venomized Ghost Rider on the hood of Robbie Reyes's car. Whoa. And the chains are all fucking symbioted it. out. It, it it it's one of my favorite co- or my favorite covers in all of comic books ever. You know, for a lot of reasons. But number two, I've got the Hell big yeah. green machine, the anger and the fury, the big bad Hulk. Hulk, strong and. <laughs> Hulk like fire, Thor like Hulk water. big fire, Thor. Hulk like <laughs> Thor. raging fire, Hulk like big fire, smoldering um, fire. Man, like when I was a kid, and I like you know when you're a kid and and you're playing with your friends, and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be Superman, and I'm gonna be Batman, and I'm going to be Hulk. Well, why? Well, the the matter he gets, the stronger he gets, and there's basically no limit to his power, and all Hulk has to do to kill Superman is get more mad, you know? Like, I mean, like that, I mean, that sold me early on. and You know, much like the theme of a lot of my stuff is is the crossover content, Hulk has been one of the best supporting characters in Marvel comics ever and probably you know my top 5 favorite series ever with with Planet Hulk I mean that is just such that is such a fucking incredible story um and you know obviously lent itself for a lot of influence with with um Thor Ragnarok um He's just like you take you take this wimpy dude who becomes this hulking mass of anger and and smash. And I feel like for a lot of young kids, Hulk shows them that they could be more than just 
excuse me, more than just a, uh, yeah, I, I had a burp and I didn't want to do it into the You're mic. All right. But, um, you know, it, it, you can be more than what, than what you think that you are. And I think that's, you know, at its root, that's the whole banner storyline that what you are on the outside is not who you really are, you know? Yeah. I think that's very well said. Uh, and that's, again, the the battle within is so much deeper for Hulk, just very much similar to uh, Ghost Rider and, and his story. But Hulk, you know, the thing that I think really I appreciate about that character is mm-hmm. he's also, he becomes super aware of himself. And he knows what he does, and he knows what he's capable of, and he becomes afraid of himself. And it becomes, I mean, it's it's not even so much the monster coming out to play and being more angry and fighting more to win. It's that he doesn't want to do that. He, he, he would rather not do that. If, if it killed him, he doesn't want the Hulk to have to come out. And of course we see kind of the imbalance of that, where he comes out tenfold as, you know, uh, Hulk and, uh, the, the payoff mm-hmm. from infinity war of him not coming out. You know, we get a much smarter Hulk in the MCU, but you know, the comics have done all kinds of crazy things with Banner. They've had him die. They've had him resurrect. They've had him become a different version of Hulk. I mean, there's like the Amadeus Cho also was Hulk. There's also Hulkling. I mean, there's she Hulk. There's all these other stories to tell red Hulk. I I mentioned it earlier, but we, you know, when you look at it, the most complete version of that story Mm -hmm. is always going to be Bruce Banner. And uh, one of the first comic book characters I ever fell in love with was Bruce Banner. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. All right, let's go to that number one, my brother. And then I actually have a... uh, I actually had, I don't know where it went, something that just broke, some comic book news that might have broke. I don't know where it went. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll do that after. But your number one on this list, and we talked about it very early in the podcast, so it's cool that we're coming back and wrapping ourselves full circle. Yet again, it's the circle of life. Thank you <laughs> and at number one, you're very welcome, is Venom. It, I remember before I was even into the character, walking into a KB Toys when I was a kid, you know, it was around the time of my birthday. So I'm picking out stuff, you know, that my family, you know, tell me what you want for your birthday kind of thing. And I'm walking down the aisle of all these action figures and, you know, Oh, there's some star Wars toys. Those are cool. And I got to this super detailed, like super posable venom action figure where the jaws are super wide and, you know, the tongue's like fucking three feet long and it was just, you know, he's got like the claws and, and he's all muscled up and I remember looking at that and I I remember that thing was like 30 bucks and in my mind I knew that, I, I in my mind I knew there was no Worth way that it. I was going to get it and I told whoever I was with that that's what I wanted and I remember getting it on my birthday and from that moment on, like, that toy is what, you know, that toy and then the animated series, the Spider-Man animated series, obviously, um, those two things together made me fall in love with that character 
you know, Venom is such a a pivotal part of of what what and who Peter Parker inevitably becomes. You know, Black Suit Spider Man is, is is a lot of people's favorite Spidey, and then you take Venom, who who is. Eddie Brock, the symbiote, and Peter Parker all mashed into one, and it's it's full of rage, but it's a little bit smarter now because the symbiote has spent some time with with Parker, and it knows his tricks, and it's got some new abilities, and it's just like there anything that Venom wants to do, it's gonna do, and you know, y- you read a book like like Secret Wars and. You know the battle planet and the symbiotes being involved, and like there's just I've talked you know throughout this list like all these complex characters. In, like for me, Venom has that special place in my heart, and he is the most complex character because it's not just the symbiote, it's not just Eddie Brock, and it's not just Peter Parker. It's everything that that symbiote has ever interacted with that has influenced how it is influencing Eddie Brock and that includes Spidey for sure um and you know from Venom we get anti-Venom uh Carnage um Riot and then the rest of the rest of that squad um what's the one that splits off of Carnage that uh fuck Toxin thank you like Toxin you you have you have this character that that at first glance might not have been very important to the overall story of Spider-Man and you look where it's at now and you have all these symbiotes that have split off or split off of Venom and Carnage and they all have their own unique stories to tell you know however big or small and i mean just that fucking ripped muscled body with it's unique spider logo on the chest and the back, you know, and he's not just web slinging, he's smashing into buildings and, and he's, you know, as we saw in the movie, however you feel about it, he's fucking biting people's heads off and, and, and doing all this gritty shit. But then you have all the lethal protector, the anti-hero stuff where, the symbiote and Eddie Brock actually give a shit about people. And then, you know, there's the, uh, the flash Thompson stuff and just like, I don't, I don't know. It's, I love this character so much. It's really hard for me to pick between one and two between Venom and Hulk, because in the beginning, those two characters were, I mean, those were basically the bro squad, you know? Like if there's if there's something that needs smashing, they're Absolutely. gonna smash it, you know. And Venom's probably gonna eat it. But yeah, man, I love your list across the board, all the way across. We're gonna do a speed round now, real quick, Tyler. Go ahead and read them from twenty five back to one. Tell them real swiftly what your list was, just in case somebody maybe tuned out for a few minutes and now they're coming back into the conversation. Okay, I'm going to start at uh, 25 and work backwards. Silver Surfer, 24, Blade, 23, Thor, 22, Taskmaster, 21, Winter Soldier, 20, War Machine, 
19, Doctor Doom. 18, Carnage. 17, Green Goblin. 16, The Red Skull. 15, Colossus. 14, Nightcrawler. 13, Daredevil. 12, Punisher. 11, Nova. 10, Hawkeye. 8, Ant-Man. 7, or I'm sorry. 10 is Hawkeye. 9 is Ant-Man. 8 is Deadpool. 7 is the Lantern Corps. 6 is Magneto, 5 is Wolverine, 4 is the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley. 3 is Ghost Rider, 2 is Hulk, number 1 is Venom. Man, like I said, I fucking love that list. Thank you so much for doing that and enlightening us on your top 25. I feel like now that time has kind of passed, maybe we should be all super nostalgic and shit and redo getting people's opinions on their top 25 and make a new top 50 list. It's it, it was a long, arduous process I had to go through. I literally took everybody's top 25s and put all the names down and tallied out who had the each amount of votes or was on however many people's lists. And whoever got the highest votes ended up being the greatest superhero according to the Journey to Comics at the time. And it was Batman not winning, but Spider-Man winning because he was on every single list. He's the only character to be on every single list. Um, Batman was a close second, although he was on a lot of people's number one list. Anyways, uh, here's some late breaking for you. It is been teased and rumored Marvel has one more Phase 4 announcement to make. They're saving for D23. Okay. What do you think it could be? Do you have anything? When I said that, that popped into your head like, oh, shit. See, it's hard to say because it could either go like a total one-off by itself movie or it could be um shit I don't know man I think at this point it could be anything what are you thinking Mike I know this is gonna maybe sound hasty and maybe some people are gonna go boo we don't wanna hear it I honestly think we're gonna get the announcement for the third Spider-Man movie now just to confirm it, mainly because, look, you know it's going to happen. They just made a billion dollars with this last movie. You're not not doing a third one. You might just get it out of the way. And if you're not doing that, you've got to do something that's so impactful that when you announce it, it makes sense that you saved the announcement for this. Like, you know, they they keep saying, like, oh, we might not bring the X-Men in for a while. We might not bring the X-Men for a while. They were just, you know, a big flop on the big screen. We don't want people to have that bad taste in their mouth and not come see our movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they haven't said a fucking word about the Fantastic Four, so maybe Phase 4 will feature the first family, the Fantastic Four. I dig it. I mean, at least my hope. I mean, you know, you look at their, you know, and even Kevin Feige said, like, they could have announced the next five years, and they didn't. So... You know, they've got a lot of big stuff planned, man. He's He knows exactly what they're going to do and what's coming, and it's just a, a matter of time as fans. But, uh, Tyler, I think that's going to do it for today, folks. As always, check out the Journey Into Comics podcast on the Journey Into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics network. And now, check this shit out. Hey, Alexa, listen to Journey Into Comics network. That shit works. She'll play us. It's fucking amazing. I, I, it works. I did it. It was cool. 
I can't believe it. Thanks, TuneIn, for getting us on uh, Amazon and uh, being able to be heard on all the Alexas that just woke up. And uh, anybody listening to this, like, oh, shit, my Alexa's freaking out now. I'm playing the shit that's on my phone. What the fuck? Wasn't expecting to do that, man. What the fuck? But uh, Tyler, thank you so much for joining me again, my man. Appreciate it. Thank you. No, nah, man, it was all, it's as always a great conversation, especially considering I just want to tell folks the truth. We did not have a plan for today's episode. There wasn't really a whole lot of news that broke, so this was just us kind of bullshitting and look at us going two hours and 30 minutes, folks. We hope you've enjoyed this extra crispy, extra long episode of Journey into Comics. It's been, you know, JIC 254. He gets down with ants. I have been your host, Nate. I'm Venom. Ooh, I loved that. Fuck yeah. And as always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later. Later, guys.